BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean. we go welcome in everybody happy wednesday final day of may hey 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 hey. why why you want to bring that up man at least it's getting warmer okay uh mr hot weather guy at least there's that much sorry celebrate today man look look i'm in mourning it's the last day of may dude come on man I hear you. I hear You've you. You've been on. You got on the show five seconds, and you stick it to me. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to get you off your game. I want. I'm playing mind games already, Derek. You yes. can't. I, I'm the king of Jedi mind tricks. You can't get me, man. You can't. I know. Can't I know. Uh, he's Derek. I'm Rob. We're sports take. Uh, what's up, uh, Brawlwister B? What's I'm up, Brett? From what's Arizona. Up, what's Yo. up, Doc Corey? Mood swing, Bella. Our girl, uh, what's up, Scott? What is up, Mr. Taz William? Moose swing in the house. Scott, Scott says, let's get it started, gentlemen. This is like porn for me. There you what? go. There, there, whoa, whoa, there you whoa, go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Boom, what's up, Tyler? Whoa, whoa, whoa. like what? <laughs> Hold up. Yes. Hold up. Yep. That's how uh, we're starting this bad boy. Yes. Thank that, you. That's a little different. Uh-huh. He likes the show. What's up, Eddie? Yes, he likes the show. It is good, man. It is good. Yes. Okay. Oh, oh so Eddie, Eddie has a, Eddie has a uh, yeah. suggestion yeah. using clips of D gun eating delicious food and Rob doing the gritty for our open. That's how he wants our open to go. Not a bad idea, actually. Not a, that's not a bad idea. Cause I got all kind of videos and pictures of stuff that I've been doing. Um, that's not, that's not, that's ingenious. Yeah. I don't know about the gritty thing, but I might throw people off a little Come bit. Come on, up, man. Dad? That's all time class. South Jersey. I know we, we got to pick, we got to spread it out though. We can't do too many gritties. Uh, it's been, it's only been a little bit since the last one. We, we gotta, here's what, here's what we spread. need to do though. 
we need to take your pass, your first gritty and the second one, and, and play them. And so we do. We need the chat room to give us a comparison. Which one was worse? Okay. I thought you were gonna say which one was better. Come on, oh, heck no. full, man. Oh heck no, it went from bad to worse. I want to know which one was worse. Oh, All right, heck we no. will do that. We will do so. We'll uh you know what? Let's say that for Friday. Friday there you go. Fly, Friday we'll play the original and we'll play the the latest. And you guys see see if I'm improving on the gritty. That's the question. Is there an improvement or is it worse? That's what we'll do. All right. We'll do that in the final segment on Friday. Yes. Uh, Dank wants to teach me how to do it. Okay. I got yeah. you. I hear that. I hear that. What's up, Rich? Yeah. Hey, I can help. Rarsta B said it's time to teach Derek's, Derek's McGritty. The time to see Derek's McGritty. Oh, you ain't seeing that. No, it ain't happening. <laughs> McGritty. No. no. <laughs> Rob's already, Rob's already destroyed the, the Gritty for life. Yeah, I've cornered the market on. Yeah, Derek. yeah. But, you know. Yes, absolutely. Billy Fly, what's up? Yeah, what's up, guys? What's up, Mo? What up? Uh, I say I always saw Forrest. He's doing good, man. All right, but so we uh we got a lot in store for. Have a good show. Have Adam Kaplan at twelve thirty. Yep. We'll talk some yep. birds and NFL with Adam, and then at two thirty, we're gonna change things up a little bit. Derek Bodner's gonna join us, and so we'll talk uh, Sixers and Nick Nurse and what this means for the Sixers and what it means for for Joel and B. What it means for James Harden's future here. A lot of questions, you know, Derek. They hired the coach, at least reportedly, but. There's so much up in the air with this team between Harden and between Tobias Harris. What ends up happening there? What other pieces are going to be able to add? You know, if, if you can get your faith level back and Joel Embiid, I think there's a lot to uh, a lot to dive into, man. That's for sure. Yeah, the big, the big question is who is Nick Nurse coaching? You know, who, yeah. who's on the roster? You know, exactly. Who, who's on? Who's off? I mean, uh, that's that. Now that we know who the coach is, the next question is who's he coaching? Yeah, exactly. Who are the players? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's phase one. Yeah, we got the coach. Who's the rest? Uh, all right. Can, can I? Can I have the? Can I have the floor? Just to I, wait, I wait, need, wait. I need wait, therapy. Wait. Yeah, yes. wait, wait, wait. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from his basement, decorated with temple attire and historic pictures, is the man who is seething right now after that Phillies inept performance last night. The one, the only, angry Rob Ellis. The floor is yours. Thank you, Derek. All right, so let, let me start with this. Um, for a team that we consistently preach patience with, I'm out of patience. Um, the The word early is thrown around all the time with this team, the E word. I'm not using the E word anymore, okay? I won't, I won't do it. Uh, early, early. Okay. I don't right. like the E word anymore as it relates to the Phillies. I've had it. Uh, there is an overall lack of urgency. There is an overall everything's going to be fine. There's an overall we're not even in June yet that comes out. And you hear it from people, but actions speak louder than words from the ball club. Here's what I mean by that. Look, I understand Bryce Harper's coming up with serious surgery. I get it. Or injury. I'm not downplaying what he went through. And what, to get back as soon as he did is a miracle. Props to him. They didn't play on Monday. You're telling me a DH needs to sit again on Tuesday and he's not even available to pinch hit in a 2 nothing game that you're still right there and despite you trying to lose that game? I don't get it. That to me reeked of, we'll be fine, everything's going to be fine. You're playing a division rival that you're trailing. You know, right now, Derek, their record is 25-29. and 29. Their record was 25-29 and 29 last year. They had to go on a major tear to dig themselves out of this thing. This is no different than last year at this point with this team. 
And I'm watching them last night take one of the most garbage approaches I have ever seen. Now, I'm taking nothing away from the kid who pitched, the Japanese kid. He, he was really good. Props to him. But going into that game, and, and he had been a walk machine going in that game. He had walked at least three batters or more in eight of his nine starts. Okay. And the Phillies were hacking at everything for the first time since 2016 when they had guys like Peter Borges playing. And I know you're probably saying who I am too. They did not have a runner get to second base. So we get to the eighth inning and JT Romuto gets on, on, on a four pitch walk. Okay. And you're saying to yourself, here we go. Here comes the rally. Realmuto decides after a four-pitch walk where the next guy should have been taking two or three to try to steal. Yep. And he originally called safe, but it was clear he was out. They they challenge, and he's out. And it's, a, it's like a rally killer. So in addition to being undisciplined at the plate, not hitting, not getting a runner to second base, they play dumb. They play dumb baseball. And it's yet another night where Trey Turner does nothing. It's yet another night you know, with Schwarber, you know, it, 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 it's maddening to me. I don't understand this team. I keep saying how much talent they have. I keep saying everything's going to be fine with them. I like, I'm not bailing. I'm not giving up. But last night is the kind of game that infuriates Phillies fans on every level as it should. Okay. You look at what the, the, the Trey Turner now is down to 240 with a 285 on base. Kyle Schwarber's hitting a buck 60 six and he plays every day this is not a guy who's who's only played occasionally two more strikeouts again last night if you look at a lot of the strikeouts that they had last night it was balls in the dirt it wasn't even in the strike zone it was balls in the dirt and they just keep chasing you know it after the first or second inning that that fork ball is not in the strike zone so you lay off and they wasted a good outing from ranger suarez who looked like ranger suarez again I am so tired of this. It is so frustrating. <laughs> Are you done? I think I need to lay down. I, I honestly Are think I done? need to lay down. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Your face right now is as red as the banner behind you, number one. God. Number two, Mr. Ellis, I will counter with this. As I have for days, as frustrated as I am with this team, it's still May. We saw them turn the corner in June. June is not officially here yet. Now that dude that pitched last night, uh, Kodai Senga. Yes. That fork. That fork ball was lethal. Okay, it was lethal. But like Ben Davis said after the, the broadcast, they wasted the opportunities on the fastball. They allowed him to use the fork ball at will because they were they were not they were not attacking the, the fastball the way they should have. And by the time he threw the fastball for a strike, then it set up the fork ball. They couldn't hit the, they couldn't come close to hit this no. dude's fork ball, right? Nope. But you're right. Here's the funniest thing to me about the whole game. You're right about this. Suarez pitched his best game of the season. But here's where I knew that this was going to be a bad night. So early in the fourth inning, Lindor is up uh, at the plate. Yeah, And they put up a graphic on the screen that says all 12 of the earned runs that Suarez has given up this season have come in the first three 
first three innings. <laughs> the kiss of death. Soon as they, the kiss of death stat, as we call it. Yes. Soon as they put the stat up, boom, he hits one over the wall and left it. Yeah. I'm sitting there cracking up. Like I know. It's like it's like a guy going to the free throw line. He hasn't missed in 35 attempts, and then he throws a brick up there. It's the same thing. I know. I'm watching I, the whole game thinking, I can't wait to talk to Rob tomorrow. I can't wait to talk uh, to Rob tomorrow. Uh, I, Derek, it was they one of those games. The I, I was screaming at the TV. Hi, Fitness Rebel. Uh, it, I was screaming at the TV. I'm, I'm telling you, after we got the fourth strikeout, I'm like, he's throwing you the same pitch. He's throwing you the same pitch. Chase. You uh, you, was, you were actually screaming at the television I was. set? I wa- I'm telling you, I was. I was screaming at the See, TV I, last night. I've, I've grown up in that regard. I don't do that anymore. I usually I reserve that lesson. for Eagles games, but I, I, I was I was in full-fledged um, just insanity I mode. I don't do it. I don't do it a long time ago. My health is more important than, than my anger, than my anger watching the game. And I watched some frustrating teams, Rob, let me tell you, you know, between the Bucks, the Brewers and the Packers, yeah. I watched some frustrating teams. Okay. But I can't let my anger get to that point anymore. When I, I get to that point, I'll get up and stretch and like go. <laughs> Namaste. Yes. 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 I, I, I can't get to that point. Breathing anymore. techniques. In through the nose, out through the mouth. I know, but it wasn't working for me last night. It was just, it was just, it, it's, it, it was like the summary. It was like the nutshell. It was like if you looked up the Phillies season thus far in an encyclopedia, that's last night would have been that. It would have been them. It would have been them last night. Uh, well, what do you expect from this team, Rob? I they, guess they, I should stop expecting. Honestly, they, I should stop expecting been, anything. They have been consistently inconsistent for the first two months of the season. When you sit down to watch a Phillies game now, you should expect to see inconsistency. And if they give you the consistency, it only enhances your enjoyable night. If they are as inconsistent as we've we've grown accustomed to watching them being, then you should come away even keel because you expected them to be inconsistency, be inconsistent. You know, Moose Swing Bella says, "I aspire to be like you, Degon. Maybe one day." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Moose Swing Bella's like me. She's reacting. She is. She's a reactor. All right, yeah. let me ask. Let me ask all of you angry fans this: What do you accomplish by yelling and spewing venom at a TV set? What do you accomplish? Because when the game is over, you're just as angry as the moment you were yelling at a particular incident or play. So what have you accomplished by taking this uh, uh, this line of, of anger? It's not well thought out. It's no, just, it's, not. No, it's, it's a not. visceral release. It's a visceral release. Like, I, I, like I'm going to put it this way. I'm not one who throws my remote and, and you know, these staged idiots who punch their TV, all right, that. Right. Cra- like, I'm not doing, I'm not costing myself money. But I need to react sometimes. I can't just sit there like, oh, oh, darn. No. Uh-uh. Why not? Why not? No way. No way. I need, I need is, to blast. I need to, I need, oh, I need to release, it, man. But it ruins, it ruins the rest of your day or your evening when you do that throughout the course of a game. You see, I feel better if I get it out. Really? Yeah, than swallowing no, it. I walk, I walk away feeling pretty good whether they win, <laughs> lose, or draw, to be honest. <laughs> is it frustrating? Yes. I can't let it affect the rest of the day or the evening. Yeah. No, I, I got other I, things I, to move on to. I slept last night. It's not one of those deals, but it was bad. It was, it was really, it was cathartic. Thank you, duck. Uh, it was like, um, I, I did. My problem is I get it in the first inning, even the second inning, <laughs> even, even first time around the order, like guys are guessing. Cause you haven't seen them. I get it. But by the time you get to your second at bat, and you're doing the exact or in third at bat or whatever, you're doing the exact same thing. 
I'm sorry, man. It's dumb baseball. It is. It's dumb to have that approach. Well, you apparently know other I'm... teams could have laid off Derek, and they did lay off because the guy's got a lot of walks this year. Yeah, what's his ERA, though? Let me pull up his stats. I don't want uh... what, What's his ERA? I think it's under two. Was it under two? What's his I, ERA? Is it that good? Well, oh. what, what is it? Uh, three, four, four. It's a it's, okay. this it's day decent. and age. That's a good oh, ERA. Decent. That's a good ERA. This All day right. and age. Yeah. Yeah. See, okay. Duck Wins says D Gun. It keeps me from taking it away with after the game. John Dickerson says when the Phillies make a bad player strike out, I yell D Gun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll start doing that now. <laughs> D Gun. Yeah. You wrong, D Gun. <laughs> I'll go Brandon Graham. Yeah. Go Brandon Graham on him. Well, maybe I have to. I don't look, know man. I understand your frustration. I feel your pain. It's not gonna. You're not gonna accomplish anything. This is what you get right now until they level out. That's what you're gonna get. But when are they leveling out? What, like what? When is it's, this gonna happen? It's May. When did they level out last year? June, <sighs> July, August. Yeah, they had to go on a pretty good tear just to get in, though. And uh, what's I, the, what's today? May 31st. What, what? Say it again. May what? 31st. So we're not even in June yet. I stop, told you. Stop giving think, me logic. Would you stop giving me logic? I, I right told now? you. I think it's the curse of May with this team. They did it last year. They stumbled through May. And then last year they made a managerial change. They're not making a managerial change this year. Okay. You know, Rob Thompson is your guy from start to finish. So you might as well settle in and get used to it. Yeah. Whether you agree with all of his moves or not, he is your guy this year. He signed a two-year extension. He's not going anywhere this year. So you might as well get used to it, number one. Number two, let us wait until at least the middle of June. I'm going to give him 15 days into June before I start blasting him. Okay. 15. That's half the month. 30 yeah. days in June. I'll give him until the morning of June 16th. God bless your your patience. I, it's amazing. Yes. I, I, I don't I don't wish I had it. I, I really do, man. I, I wish I had. Yeah, let's smash that like button. Appreciate it, John Dickerson. Um, look, I'm with you, man. I don't think they're done. This is not a write-off by any stretch, but 25 and 29 after the way that they played last year, adding a guy like Trey Turner and doing some of the other things that they did. It's just disappointing. You know, you finally, you got a taste of it for the first time in 11 years, what it's like to go to the postseason, and they got yep. on a crazy run. Yep. Yeah, they did. And you just don't want that lost. You want to, you want to have that feeling again. And that's the hard part for this thing. That's for sure. But so, yeah. So so let me ask you this because uh here's an interesting I gotta ask you this. Mr. Taz says Rob is one game away from triggering his curse at D Gun. Okay. So if you could right now as we sit here on May 31st, because you have this uh innate trait of getting people fired, who would you fire right now in the Phillies? Right now, who would you fire? Player, coach, who would it be? You know, honestly, I don't want anybody fired right now. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Oh, ah, okay. I don't. Right. I don't want anybody okay. fired. Um, what I desperately need is guys to pick it up. And, I, and you know, the problem is, like, not only has Schwarber been not good, he's been awful. Not only has True. Turner been not good, he's been awful. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I need, I need them to be at least solid. I need. Wheeler and Nola just to find themselves and be the, the, the aces that they can be. Ranger took a good step last night. Uh, I don't know about Taiwan Walker. I just, I have no idea. And there isn't a fifth starter right now. Ah, it's funny. You should mention Mr. Nola because Mr. Nola right now is four and three with a four, five, nine ERA. Uh, against the Mets last year, he was the O and four 
Yeesh. with a three nine nine ERA. Lifetime against the Mets. He is nine and five, nine and seven with twenty five uh, starts against the Mets and a three three zero ERA. So there's a good probability that coming off the his last performance, he may struggle against the Mets tonight. Yep. So I'm just preparing you on how to go into this game mentally. <laughs> now you say the Phillies number one ace is on the hill tonight against the hated Mets, but you have to take into consideration Aaron Nola does not pitch well against the Mets. Uh, no, he does not. Historically. No, he does not. Historically. Yep. Nine and seven, not bad. It's better than seven and nine. Yep. Okay. Yep. But historically, he does not pitch well against the Mets. Yep. So with that said, I am just giving you a prelude on how you should mentally approach the game this evening. When you sit in your easy boy chair and prop your feet up with a cool drink to watch tonight's game okay. and how you, you should react. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I'm I, here. I'm here for you. I don't know if you're here for me, but you're, you're, uh, you what? sometimes what? I think you're, 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 you're like, poke. What? Poke. You're, you're like Grant Williams with me? Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You poke. Me? You're a poker. Hi, Father Sean. I'm, yes. I'm shot. I'm shot. Hi, William. Yeah, Father hi. Sean, you need to yeah. pray for him. I'm telling you, you need to pray for Rob because he's about to go over the edge. I'm telling you now. Yes. Uh, for, sprinkle, uh, sprinkle some holy water on him or something. Four Hail Marys, five Our Fathers, and a couple uh, of Lord we'll uh, make four, it four Hail Marys ain't going to help you tonight. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Um, so there's that. This this was a sad one, Derek. I, I saw this yeah. yesterday. Um, you remember Bill McGovern, uh, and you remember him from when you were covering the Eagles. He was the yes. linebackers coach during Chip Kelly's tenure here. Yeah. And he actually moved on and he was coaching with Chip at UCLA. He was yep. their defensive coordinator. He passed away uh, at the age of 60 from uh, from Kansas. That's a shame. Yeah, he, that's a I shame. actually ran into him a couple times and he was a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, just awful. You know, too young, man. Too young. Yeah, man. It, it's every day we, we're shocked by somebody, uh, you know, leaving us sooner than they should. And, and that's why I tell people all the time, you know, enjoy the time that you have, man. Yeah. Every moment of every day. I know there's a lot of problems in the world today, but there's a lot of joy still in the world, you know, from your family, from within. Um, The negative stuff, don't hold on to it because it eats you up inside. You know, just focus on the good things, you know, in your life. And I know some people say, I got more bad than good. But, you know, wherever there's some good, still try to focus on that, man, because you know what? Tomorrow's not promised to you. Matter of fact, today's not promised to you, you know, when you think about it. You just never know. That's right. Yep. So, you know, focus, focus. It's, it's tough, man. It's a tough world we live in, getting tougher by the minute in all facets of what we do yeah. in life. But you you, you got to you gotta find joy and happiness in your life. You really do. Well said. Well said. Uh, all right. I, let me – Big Sills uh, jumps in. So I'm going to rank these. Uh, moments the crowd has up. still has nightmares about. Okay. He's right about the 80 Super Bowl loss. I was okay. there in New Orleans as a little kid, and the Eagles lost to the Raiders. The Eagles didn't show up in that game after they beat the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. That's a bad one. Okay. Game six, Joe Carter, uh, walk off, yep. end at the World Series is yep. still scarred. The 03 title game loss is bad. 02 is worse when they lost to the Tampa Bay Bucks. That's worse. Last game at the Fed. Mm. Okay. So if I'm ranking them, that one's worse. Game seven loss at the Lightning was bad. That was bad. Uh, that was the Ronick team. Um, game six loss to the Blackhawks in 10. 2010, yeah. Where I still don't know if the, if the puck went in or not is is probably. Oh, the puck went in. Yeah, it went Patrick, in. Patrick yeah. Kane knew it like five seconds before everybody else. Yeah, nobody else knew. Was that was the reaction. weirdest ending to a series I've ever seen yeah, in my I life. It really was. But they're they're actually really good ones. They're actually uh, Dan nailed those. So really. how so how would you rank them? Is is from from most gut wrenching to least? O two NFC Championship game loss to the Bucks. Um, ninety three. Uh, I, I, uh, 
80 Super Bowl, which is actually 80 into 81, but Super Bowl 15. Okay. Uh, I, oh man, I was, I was, I don't know what day it was last week. NFL films was running back all the Super Bowl uh, highlight film that they, that they did uh, for back in the day. And I watched some of it. I, I had to turn it off from 1980 fog bowl is a great one. Dan. Bowl, okay. Yes. Uh, why am I doing this to myself? Uh, but yes, the fog bowl is a great one. Uh, that was new year's Eve of 88. Um, See, I was, I would say, and I know people love to bring up that loss to Tampa Bay because everybody just knew they were going to be Tampa Bay. Yep. I would say the playoff loss to Carolina is worse. Ooh, when they I, lost that game like fifteen to nine, because they should, they should have beat that they should have beat that Carolina team like an old rug. Yeah, and I believe Donovan got hurt that game. Yeah, and they couldn't score. No, and Ricky Manning was talking all kind of smack about the Eagles. He was. I think that one was worse. It was bad because they got out physicaled and yes. beat up. The, yes. the only thing that came out of that game that was a positive was Andy Reid finally decided I have to get better receivers. Yeah. Yep. And, he, and that's when he went out and got T.O. Yep. So I would absolutely put that one in there. Um, yeah, look, man, there's been quite a few. Like, even last year's Super Bowl, it stings. But I I feel like this team's going to be back. So it doesn't hurt quite right. as bad as some right. of those other ones. But there, there's they were all good. They were, well, good at good in a bad way. But they were man, all good choices. No wonder you're miserable. <laughs> hey, man, you it, nobody said it was going to be easy to be a Philadelphia fan. You you bear scars, and you know. And I, I will say, when the Eagles won it in Super Bowl Fifty Two, it it helped. It helped. It right, healed right, some of these. Right. There's still a few. There's James few. James McKeith brings up a good one. I was there for that one. That loss to the Cardinals. He said in two thousand and eight, still stings. Well, that's a tough one. Yeah, I was there for that one. Uh, yeah, one. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough one. Uh, mm. All right. So good stuff. Good stuff, folks. Uh, all right, we come back. Adam Kaplan's going to be joining us. Adam Kaplan from Inside Birds. We'll talk to him about all things Eagles. Uh, is the roster better than when the season ended? NFC threats besides the Niners and the Cowboys. Defensive turnover. Who's going to start at right guard? Nick Sirianni, how he's looked at around the league. All those kind of things. Uh, Flyers Red Wing sweep is still still stings a little bit too. 1997 Lindros. Uh, yes, Dan. Good choice. Uh, so we'll do all of those things when we come back. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are still Silio digging still, at you today. Still firing. He's he's trying to get me all all crazy today. I'm already Big, crazy. Big Sears barely getting up on the West Coast. He's throwing haymakers at he you is, already, man. Rob. I'm already whacked out enough. I don't I don't need any more help. That trust me when I tell you that. All right, Derek Gunn. Rob Ellis, we are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza. You hungry? You need to get over these losses. You need to eat. That's what you need to do. You need some killer food, man. And that's Bravo Pizza. We love that they're a sponsor of the station. I've been going there since I was a kid. They're family-owned since 1985. You got Alex and the crew open seven days a week. Here's the great thing. All their food is fresh. The, the flour is sent over from Italy. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have 20 different styles, as I mentioned, but here's the great thing. They have the specialized pizza. That's right. You call up, you get it your way, however you want it. They don't just do pizza. They do fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads, and they're also committed to the community. Bravo Pizza has fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, for the Eagles Autism Foundation. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown for all their specials and promotions. 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza, Havertown.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake them on. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Welcome back in, friends. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He is Derek Dunn. I am Rob Ellis. Uh, always love having our next guest on amazing insights about the NFL, about the Eagles. Uh, always incredibly well connected. You could follow him on Twitter at Kaplan NFL. Does an amazing job with our buddy Jeff Mosher inside Birds. What's happening, Adam? Guys, good to be with you. It's been a while. I yeah, love, by is, the way, man. I love the artwork behind you, man. <laughs> so that is my auxiliary studio. I'm not in, I'm not in my TV studio today, which is around the corner. Uh, but this is my wife. This is where I actually do all my work. So my, my wife said, you don't have windows here. You have to have something in the background. We both love dogs. So that is it, Robin. By the way, I'm glad you brought up the background, the Doc Larry Bird choking uh, exhibition. Those of us who are old enough to remember, mm-hmm. like you and I, we grew up here. Yep. Yeah. He got nose. He's a basketball guy. And I see Ben Narek in the back with a great background. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it, man. I get it all now. I love the backgrounds. It's so funny you did it because no one ever – I don't do a lot of shows here, but I'm, I'm doing like 50 things today. So I'm like, all right, let me keep going here. What, it, what you don't see is the Seinfeld stuff. My wife bought me a Kramer picture. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I really, and my uh, my wrestling stuff. My, my, my I'm not a big collector, but I have some wrestling stuff that's somewhere around here. Anyway. That's very cool. All right, I I got to ask you. You brought up Seinfeld. So my favorite sort of low key great character is Bookman, the library ah. cop. Oh my god. The, the 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 monologue slash rant that he goes on, Adam, when he's accusing Jerry of of never returning a book, is one of the all time moments in Seinfeld history. You want to hear an unbelievable story? So that he's passed away, that ca that character. This is, un I don't know if Derek knows this. You know Sam Farmer, the great writer for the LA Times. In real life, Sam was his neighbor, uh, the library cop. Yeah, I, I could, he, Sam knew it. He sought me out at one of the events we were at. He goes, you're not going to believe this, but I don't remember the guy's name. He passed away in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Curb Your Enthusiasm too. Remember he was a dentist? That's right. Right, remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I don't know if Derek's a big Seinfeld or uh, or uh, Curb fan, but anyway, we talked about not a Curb, but a big Seinfeld fan. Oh yeah, happy you know, right? Yeah, my, my, my wife bought me uh, the collection of every Seinfeld, so and I watch it every night. I watch an episode or two every night because they're always on. I, I you're not gonna believe this one. I actually hated them when I was growing up because wow, this is a, I, I can't. This is I talk about digress. We're gonna get to the Eagles in a second. We promise you, but. <laughs> I actually had I, I could not stand my girlfriend that I was going out with and she loved Seinfeld so I decided to hate Seinfeld. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, it's a true story. I, you brought it up. I, I I like to make people laugh every once. In, it's so stupid. Yeah. It's when we were in, I don't know about you guys. When I was in my twenties, incredibly immature, but uh, somehow I became a reporter. I have no idea how. There, there you go. Uh, by the way, the I guy's people name, the same thing. Yeah, the guy's name was Philip Baker Hall. Yes, he's passed, passed away. Yes. Yeah, but he yeah. was he was great. Anyway, I'm sorry, but the, Derek, why don't you ask a real question i'll get off my seinfeld nonsense for adam there you well, go you know, cap, cap we haven't had a chance to talk to you man since the yeah. draft and, yeah. and so i got to get your general perspective on, on, on what the eagles got you know especially the first two picks they they picked up i think a lot of people were surprised jalen carter was still sitting there at nine and of course nolan smith just falling into their lap at 30 yeah so so the one that surprised me derek was seattle i did a mock draft for pro football network yeah and i I know Seattle pretty well, dealing with them for over 20 years, and they're willing to take characteristics on, on players. And it just so happened that the number one need guys for the Seahawks was defensive tackle. So them passing them up, I'm like, hmm. we put it on our show, uh, I guess, whatever whatever day that was, Thursday morning, because Mosher goes, okay, who's it going to be? Said, it's going to be Jalen Carter if he's there. But I don't, as you just said, I didn't expect him to be there at 10. I know it, yeah. people said, oh, like the club said that they never expected the player to be there. But it did it did kind of surprise me when Seattle passed on him like, okay, the Eagles, I'm not saying they know something other teams don't, but he's passing their test and he's not passing to other teams' tests, but that's what happened. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It, well, how about how about Nolan Smith too? Was this just a matter of teams concerned about the size thing and the Eagles feel yeah. confident because they've been down this road with Hassan Reddick and know how to utilize that that sort of skill set better? So Rob, I would say yes, it's he was a tweener. He's not really a 43 stand-up. Uh, he's not a 43 D-end. He's more of a stand-up outside linebacker in a 34, which the Eagles run. It's just a matter of, okay, how are you going to deploy him? But he still should not have lasted as long. I, I know sometimes when uh, whatever team people are asking me about, they'll go, well, why did this guy drop? And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go by what teams tell me. And then sometimes – 
the club that drafted the players right and the other teams are wrong. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's what Nolan Smith is. Now they have to figure out now Sean Desai, the new defense coordinator. He needs to figure out how to use this guy. It's not a slam dunk that he's going to be a stud. Mm-hmm. So they have to figure out how to use him. But from a talent standpoint, it's not even in question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's you bring up Desai, Adam. Um how different is this going to look from Jonathan Gannon? I know the Eagles have their core principles. They're not going to give up big plays. You know, that, that's a firm belief in, in what they want. Nick wants that. Howie wants that. But how, and there, and I know Desai and, and Gannon are sort of the same tree, but how different do you think it will look with, with Desai? Well, they're going to run the Fangio scheme, Rob. That's certain. We know that for a fact. It's mm-hmm. just one thing I've learned for covering this business for 23 years not every coordinator runs it exactly the same. So I talked to John T. Filippo, the former Eagles quarterbacks coach who worked with Sean in 21. John said that, no, again, he was coach quarterbacks. He would just go by what he saw in practice, watching them practice tape. He said he did a very good job. They didn't have a ton of talent compared to what he's working with here. He said he did a very good job. He was not familiar with Sean. He spoke highly of him. And uh, from what I've heard from Seattle people is that they, they, he juggled a, a couple of different jobs. They're pretty happy with him. So it sounds like, at least on paper, uh, they they got a good guy. Now, what we, we, we reported inside the birds was back at the combine that uh, Mosher put out two names. Jeff said that it was Matt Patricia and Mike Pettin. And what, what, what I added to it was we were told they wanted someone from a senior standpoint to work with Desai. And they wound up getting Patricia down the road. It didn't, it was not like it, it took a while for them to get him, but they got him. I do believe like it, I think it's a smart thing. Whereas, if you look at an offense, Brian Johnson, we could also talk about him if you want. He's got uh, Kevin Petulo, who I know for a fact is very involved in game planning, and obviously Sirianni and, uh, and, and, and other coaches. So I think there's a good support system on offense. Hey, Cap, when you look at the size situation, he, you know, not just him, but you have uh, several other defensive coordinators, you're in, uh, defensive coaches you're, you're integrating into this thing as well. Eagles only have six OTA practices. Yeah. No mandatory this year, which is which is weird in June. Then when they hit the ground running in August, um, Sirianni doesn't practice his frontline guys a lot, gives them enough to – so we technically won't know what this defense is supposed to look like until sometime in September. So with all that said, how long do you think it'll take before Desai understands his personnel and how to utilize them and the players understand their roles in this defensive scheme. Okay, so a couple things. They, As I, I actually asked this question to somebody this morning, they, okay. they had only six practices last year in OTAs. Okay. So it's, it's no different. Mandatory camp, by the way, the Bengals are only doing six practices. Three of them are OTAs, three of them are, are mandatory. It's I, I, I don't know how they distinguish between the two. Oh. Practices are practices, but... You ask a good question, and I, I remember Jonathan Gannon's first year. Moshe and I were at training camp, yeah, and it looked like we were told it was going to be the Fangio scheme, 34 front, two overhangs. We didn't know about the blitzing. It's impossible to know that. Uh, there's certain things we, 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 we were told, and we put this out, that they wanted to run a mirror match system, which is where you carry the, the receiver and you deliver him somewhere else. Well, because of Steven Nelson, he's not, did, not a great athlete, wasn't long, as they, didn't have the length that you'd like. Maybe couldn't run it quite like he did, like he did last year. It he ran the he ran it like he really wanted to. Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be much difference. But again, they'll call it. Desai will have his own way of calling the system. It, it'll be different now. People will know are they going to blitz more? There's no way to know that. In this Fangio system, you don't blitz a lot. It's when you do it 
you have it's a feel for it you have to have a feel for it mm-hmm. and i don't i don't know that I, it, it's an, it's really hard you ask a good question that's to me is beauty's in the eye of beholder with that it, it's not how much you blitz it's when you do it right. yes i have a good feel for it that 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 he'll know but the best point of all this is getting a feel for the talent what everybody can do you get you get the six practices and otas you have that you have all the intel from the coaches that are on your staff or with them last year you, you know, from the front office, you'll get that because they have personnel meetings where they all sit down. You're going to gather all that information and intel. Then you're going to make a decision. But it is true. It's not like when you and I first covered a league back in 2000. Or when I, I know you were actually before that, before I was. These the, the OTS would be six weeks, another yeah. six days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's hard. to. But here's the thing, Adam. I, I hear you. It, but when you have all 22 starters starting the Super Bowl, I know some of that's luck. I get it. It's good fortune. But it's hard for me to push back on this with the way the Eagles have done this. And, and and I know some of this is just league mandated by the CBA, but the Eagles will run a lighter off season than others. And even a lighter camp than others, but it's really worked well for them. It took me when I first heard this it came from the leadership council with Sirianni, they had agreement. I'm like, this is look sports science. I get all that as a, as a vegan, I, I get it recovering all that stuff, but this is crazy. As Dick Vermeil says, you don't get better without practicing. But yep. I, I, as you said, Rob, it's a fair point. How, how do you knock it? Because it worked. It For an old scorer like myself, though, I'm, I'm deeply into the analytic data. I'm, I really believe in it. When it comes to practices, you have to rely on your medical team. They, they hired the guy over uh, from Penn Medicine, Arsh uh, Denoto's great with the injury stuff and recommending. And they just go by what he says and their doctors and other trainers. I, I Rob, to answer, just to belabor the point here mm-hmm. a little bit. It's hard to argue with success. Now they've lost seven starters, minimum of seven. It's minimum of five on defense, definitely two on offense. Now that's the bigger question is, is how does this thing look differently with, with new players here? Well, I, mm. let me just follow up on that on the defensive side, Adam, because you lose Hargrave, that's 11 sacks. You lose some some quality people, you know, linebacker on the back end. And you have Desai, who's a new defensive coordinator, et, et cetera. How long do you look at, like what, I would say the early part of the schedule is more favorable to the Eagles than the, than the latter part. But I still think it's going to be a bit of a struggle just because you have so many new faces there. A lot of talent, but a lot of new faces too. Yeah, I remember saying this on our show Inside the Birds last year when they played Minnesota. Ironically, they're playing again in week two. I said with Ed Donatel, who, who was the then defense coordinator for the Vikings, it's going to take him a while to implement the system. The system that he's running is completely different than anything they've ever ran. And he wound up being a disaster. It just didn't work anyway. But the Eagles caught them early in the season, and they did very well against Minnesota in week two. But again, he's running his system. It's just you made a great point. He's got to get used to the players. The players have to get used to him. And he also is new to the staff. He doesn't know these guys right. for the most part. Even if he had a business relationship with me, I don't know that he's worked with any of these guys before. So it's, it's a little new. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is, and it's not a shot at Chicago's talent two years ago, it, this this t- defensive town is way better than he worked with two years ago. And mm. by the way, Robert Quinn had like 20, whatever he had, 21, whatever. It, 18, yeah, 18, 18, 18, 18 sacks, sacks. Yeah. 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 Right, right. So that's a that's a good number. No doubt. Hey, hey Cap, is Jalen Carter an every down starter for this team? That, it's funny. That is really part of our offseason shows here on Inside the Birds. We actually talked about that mm-hmm. because it's Cox, it's Carter, it's Jordan Davids, Milton Williams. We know that's the top four. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kentavia Street. Well, Kentavia Street should make it as the fifth. Okay, so you've got your true nose. and Well, Carter's really more of a three. Jordan, Dav- Jordan Davis is, is going to be the, the nose. 
Now, the question is, though, I'm from what I've heard for two months now, is he looks he's in great shape, but that's fine that he's lost weight. But what's his condition like? Yep. We're not going to know that till training camp. But how, okay, so what's the rotation going to be like? That's the greater question. Should it be Carter and Cox and not really playing with a true nose? It, it, and, well, by the way, they, they, they generally start in this last year in every game, pretty much every game consistently. They started the first play of the game was three defensive tackles. Mm. So it would be Cox, Carter, and, and Davis. Okay. Now, how many snaps they play? I couldn't tell you. We're, we're, we're about to get to June 1st, but we're a little bit early here. Adam, we, I, you know, we always, when we mention the, the hierarchy in the NFC, it's Eagles, it's Niners, it's Cowboys. Um, a, would you agree that that's the order? And B, is there another team we should be mentioning when we're talking about the NFC? No. Uh, it's it, Basically, the, the talks I've had with NFL people has been, it's like Philly, it's San Francisco. Uh, Detroit's an up-and-coming team in my power ranks for, for uh, InsideTheBirds.com. I have, think I might have had them at eight or nine, which is probably a little mm-hmm. bullish. Yeah. But I'm very high on them. But the, the elite teams, Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I completely missed on Jacksonville last season. I told people when I did over under projections, though I got m- more than 50% of them right, I, I had under f- five and a half wins. I, I couldn't believe what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to put them up there. Baltimore's going to bounce back. They've added a lot of talent, a little, yeah. little shaky in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Miami's super loaded. So the AFC guys is clearly, in terms of depth of teams, is, is better than the NFC. Yeah. And the only team in the NFC that doesn't have a question mark hovering over it is the Eagles, which I've never seen happen before in the NFC, Adam. I mean, there's always at least several teams, but if you look up and down everybody's roster in the NFC, there's question marks galore. Who's quarterbacking? Who's Can the coordinator turn the defense around? There's a, there's a whole plethora of things going on in the NFC. The, the issue on that is with San Francisco, with the Niners, there's only one issue is okay. Yep. I, they've, I mean, talking to people there, they they consistently say that Brock Purdy will be ready for the season. The work in training camp, okay. The guy's never started a full season in the National Football League. He was Mr. Yeah. Relevant for a reason. What an unbelievable story he was. But now I ask him to do it for a full season and having Trey Lance is way more gifted in back of him, not get a chance. Okay. Mm. But after that, in the NFC, Tampa, Tampa Bay's got major issues at quarterback. They were 8-9 and nine last year with Tom Brady. Think about that, that he did win the division. Dallas, could Dak stop turning it over? Dak was – I mean, I give him credit. He he took ownership of it. He said this is not like him. It's not going to – but they have a new play caller. Mike McCarthy takes over for Kellen Moore. He, he parted ways with Kellen Moore. Could the Giants not only beat 9-7-1, could they be better than last year with a, with a little bit harder, harder schedule? And, and could Geno Smith, who came out of nowhere in 10 years yeah. – Yep. How does that happen? I, that was the they, I it might be the most surprising thing of all of that. There was a lot of stuff that you whoa, Jacksonville, as you mentioned, some other things, but Gino resurrecting himself, I, I absolutely didn't see Adam. You 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 confessed to Jacksonville. I thought Seattle was gonna stink. I I, I let me tell you a story about I'm gonna go back to 2013. Okay. I, I'm working on a story that Gino Smith's gonna be Eagles quarterback. I'm literally this was this was Chip Kelly's guy. Okay. I had, I, you know, I had had it put on my laptop. I'm waiting to, you know, I'm going to keep it in my side pocket for two months. They go to his, they go to his pro day. All I've, I find out for three people, we're not, they're not going to draft him. I'm like, what? Mm. And he, there were all sorts of stories about him, not specifically with the Eagles, but other teams he didn't interview well. I'm assuming that's what happened again. This is 10 years now. 
But I was talking to a GM earlier this season. I said, hey, what, why didn't you look at this guy last year? He goes, wait a minute. He goes, no one wanted him. Because if we would have known he would have been this good, we would have absolutely looked at him hard. <laughs> Nobody did. Seattle, they made, they thought that Drew Locke was going to beat him. Yeah, they, that was part yep, of the Russell Wilson did. trade. How do, you, right. how do you know? Like, I, this, this league, man, right when you think you've fi- got to figure it out, you don't, you don't know. It, that's, what, that's why we love it so much. Adam, any any chance? I I personally, Derek and I have talked about this. We don't think so, but any chance they kick the tires on DeAndre Hopkins, or is he just way too? Uh, no, I, I addressed it on uh, in a radio interview because I, I know how these things work. I mean, you never say never, Rob. It, it, think about it this way: L- Let's say this. Now I know he changed agents, but let's say this goes on. Let's say he doesn't get signed this week, and his money comes down to like five million. How the hell do you pass this guy up? Right mm-hmm. now, now right. the problem with this kid is like shit, kid. He's, he's turning thirty-one next month, but. When it comes to D-Hop, and I'm not saying specifically with Philly, but if he's going to go somewhere he's a backup, he's not. he would not start here no matter what people say. He would not start here. Mm-hmm. How do you justify him being happy? And then, of course, he's taking – got to make the guy happy. I, I just don't think he could work here because they could say all the right things, but you guys know. How could a guy like that yep. be, go from being a, a, a big-time starter to being a backup? I mean, yeah, because he better than Lamade Sakias? Uh, yes. Well, I just think too, Adam, to your point, if if he's doing a bet on himself contract for one year, he's going to want to go somewhere where he's going to be a volume catcher, not, not where you already have AJ and Devontae Smith, which is going to be limited. Yeah. He just lost 19, around 19.5 million. So yeah, Yeah. for sure. Do you like, do you like the Eagles backfield better than what they had last year with the addition of the two guys? Yeah. This is a real interesting situation here because if you look at the, if you look at this group, is Miles Sanders better than those guys? Yes. And the Eagles don't throw their backs very much. But when you look at DeAndre Swift, you don't – I get it. They didn't give him a lot to give to get him in future four. And actually, 25, uh, 25 fourth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. He's on the final year of his deal. I get that. But this guy's a terrific pass catcher. He's shifty. He's, he's very good around the goal line. I know he's not the biggest guy. He's had an injury history. That's why the Lions wanted to get rid of him. But he's talented. Rashad Penny was unbelievable two years ago. To close, he was a leading rusher, I think, for maybe five weeks in the NFL in twenty-one. And the, the these guys are are playing for their you know for their careers here. They want to they want to go somewhere and be the guy or, or revive their careers. It's going to be a committee. It really wasn't really a committee with Sanders, but it's going to be a committee here. I don't see anyone being the guy where the one guy gets eighteen touches a game. I don't see that. But I, to answer your question, yeah. if Penny could play like twelve games. And don't forget Trey Sermon. I know privately I've been told now since like October these coaches love Sermon. He was a third-round pick. So it's going to look different to answer your questions. It's actually a great yeah. topic. It's mm. going to look different. Mm. Adam, you brought up uh, Brian Johnson a little bit earlier, and I think we all sort of do the, hey, the offense is, isn't going to skip a beat. They're going to be great, et cetera. There are some questions. Running back, one of them. The guard spot, we don't know if it's going to be Jurgens or Steen. And and it is the first time in the NFL, at least, that he's an offensive coordinator. Um should they not skip a beat just simply because they have the quarterback and so much talent? No, it's a fair point. A couple of things. Jack Driscoll, don't forget about him. He he uh, he's the fallback option. I I'd be very surprised if Jurgens won it. Uh, he's more. He, he remember he's this is he had two years at Nebraska as a, as a offensive lineman. Now so now it's four. This will be his fourth year as an offensive lineman. To ask him now to change positions again, I know he got cross trained last season. It's I, I I put him as third. I. I I mean, really? he, the job's open. There's no doubt. But I'm, my favorite's been Steen. Fall back to me is Driscoll. And then you look at the offense. That here's the thing, guys. Sirianni will help. I'm, I'm told that uh, Kevin Petullo's like 
as one source said, he's the secret sauce of the game planning during the week. He's really good at it. And there's a, I know there was another team involved trying, had very in, strong interest in looking at him potentially uh, being hired away. So he's a guy that's respected around the league. So is Brian Johnson. We reported on Inside the Birds, the Panthers and other teams were told, don't bother putting a slip in because the Eagles are going to, the Eagles going to promote him as OC. Mm. So, and, and look, he's a smart guy. He's known Jalen Hurts for almost half his life. But play calling Zanard, I've, I've always said that. Until you've done it at this level, I know he did it at Florida, but he's got to do it here. You don't know, but there's a great support system. I, I'm maybe I'm in the minority here. I don't worry about the offense. It's the defense, right? It's the I'm more concerned, guys, about the defense of the offense. Yeah. You know, of all the people you talk to around the league, Adam, how is Nick Sirianni perceived around the league? I would say <laughs> we're being honest here. I think yeah. shocked. Some people are shocked. I'm pretty tight with a couple of coaches that work with him in the past, where, whether it's Kansas City or Indy. And they were not sure if Nick would be ready. They thought he a little bit more, uh, I don't know what the word, maturing or a little bit. Seasoning. Seasoning. Yeah, right. Better better yeah. word. Thank you. Uh, one guy in particular loves Nick, uh, but he said he just didn't think he would be ready. And he, he said he told me about the connecting stuff. That turned out to be very true. He said, you'll know it when you hear about it. He goes, talk to the players. You'll know exactly what he goes. It's great that he does this. But he he had been a non-play calling OC and he was four, was he thirty he was what's he forty one he was thirty nine when they hired him right and Andy Reid I think was guys around forty yeah he was yep. they were similar yep. yeah very similar right and do you know that three out of the last four Eagles head coaches never had another coaching interview head coaching interview wow, wow. I, what what do they know that other teams don't know I know it's a little bit of a broad statement but to answer your question no I I would say no I I was one of those people who just dismiss his first press conference I know that people killed him over it. I've covered this business long enough. He was nervous. Oh, it's okay. He'll be fine. I, I, I you know, I learned my lesson not to judge coaches by press conferences. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> but, but to, to move this along, uh, yeah, I, I, I met him. I, I don't even know if you remember. I talked to him at uh, Colts training camp. I thought he had great energy, but I couldn't evaluate him off that. You just yeah, not right. around. The, I'm never right. around the guy. I don't know. The, I didn't know him. So, but guys, I'll say this: the guys who work with him, I talked to three or four guys about him. All spoke well of him as a person. But I don't think any of them thought that. They were like, wow, he's going to be head coach at Philly? Really? Okay. Good luck. Yeah. It's, it is. Wow. A, it's, I, give, I give Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman credit, man. They are not afraid to pull the trigger on the non-obvious one. All right. Last one for me, Adam. How surprised were you with the leap that Hurts took last year from, from, from that previous season? So I'll bring you in a conversation with – I think it was John McMullen and I. Where the hell did I see John? In Florida? At Dolphins camp or Browns camp? Mm-hmm. Maybe with the and, dual practices, maybe. Yeah, what, one. Of the, I remember John and I were like, "Okay, let let's see," but it mm-hmm. looks pretty good. Because mm-hmm. I remember when Wentz made his uh, his second year after D. Flippo changes mechanics, and then he took off, obviously. But the thing is, and I, I remember, I remember telling uh, Ike Reese this situation when I was he had, him and uh, him and Marks had me on WIP. I said, mm-hmm. "It's real simple. If they let Hertz throw, he's going to be great, really good. Mm-hmm. If they don't," let him throw. They don't trust him. Everything's there. Temperament. He's smart. He gets it. But you saw they wouldn't let him, they, they stopped letting him throw. Cause he just, he wasn't ready. Nick, right. Nick was, Nick came out and wanted to throw the football in 21. It didn't work. So smartly pulled back. I give Sirianni credit for most coaches wouldn't do that. They want to, Hey, this is what we're doing and too bad. You know, that's right. That's right. And then any, and, and, and Jalen's hard work and temperament. I, I know people don't think this matters, but it sure as hell matters to me. When you're a coach's son talking to coaches, it you just you see the game differently. You understand the work ethic, and, and the other thing is, and this is super important. 
it, it really is. I remember talking to Brad Childress about this. He always used this term, making the routine pass routinely. Once Hertz became way more accurate and he was making the pass 10 yards in front of him accurately, and then they would progress downfield. If you, you guys are watching me on YouTube down here. Mm-hmm. Once he, once they got the confidence with him, it was bombs away. And uh, am I surprised? Slightly, yes. I, and the thing that I've, I've learned about this, it's not how much how, how talented you are. It's what you could execute. How many quarterbacks executed better than this guy last year? Not many. No. Right. No. No. It's, it's the, there's a reason why he was the runner-up to MVP. Yeah, he was mine in the Pro Football Road Association. I know he missed some time. Yeah. And that's the one small concern. But, look, I, their schedule's a little harder this season, but that doesn't – it's not going to stop him. With, the, no. with that offensive line, this coach's staff, and his will to win, the will to be great, I'm not saying he can't get better. Why can't he get better? He's only 24, 25 years old. And, and yeah. it means a lot to him. The money's not going to change him out. I forget who asked me this question. I deadpan. I said, it's not going to matter. When they said, is, is, is the moment going to get to him in the Super Bowl? I said, no. He's got ice in his veins talking to the Eagles. That he's, you don't, I, I get this is the biggest game in professional sports. Other than the fumble, no, I mean, he, what he else was, could you say? It was no, awesome. he looked like he played in 10 of them. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't worry about this. Just sum this up, guys, before we move on. I don't worry about the offense a little bit. I'm a little concerned about the special teams. We don't talk about that enough. Yep. Uh, but but the, the, the thing is a well-oiled machine. And and Sirianni's handled the adversity, you know, the first year when they when they were whether they two and seven or two and five, whatever the hell they were. Two and five. Yeah. Two and five. Right. Yeah. They they turn it around. That that told me a lot. That was pretty impressive. No question. Are you surprised they brought back the same special teams coordinator after that disaster last year? Uh Michael Clay, I'm told there was another team potentially that was looking at him. And I'm what? not sure if he was what? Uh yeah. I now now I know there were some people in coaching who thought he might go with Yamiko Ryans, who he's got a good relationship with. Wow. But anyway. Here's the thing, though. They did improve in the second half. The, the punting thing was a disaster. We know that. The coverage teams which were bad in the first half were better. The kicker's really good. It give Tyler Brown credit, who who got um, Jake Elliott corrected. Uh, that, But they got to get the punt. Now they got this kid, the Zentner kid. That I know this sounds funny, but this is one of the top training camp battles to me. I mean, say what you want. But their punting was atrocious last season. Let's yeah, they, they, he, I, I didn't understand why they didn't try and push supposed a little harder last year in camp, but I'm glad they are this year. That's for sure. Oh, oh one thing they did, we've reported this. They put it a, a waiver claim in for um, the punter, Braden Mann, uh, the the the, yeah. the Steelers claim, uh, claimed yeah. he was a six-rounder for the Jets. So they clearly wanted to improve it. I give them credit for that, but yeah. we'll see. We'll yeah. see how it looks. It'll be mm. interesting. Adam, listen, man, uh, love having you on and, and love your work inside Appreciate you, brother. with yeah. Jeff Mosher inside the birds.com. You can check out Adam's work uh, and always tell people, follow you on Twitter because there's great information there all the time at Kaplan NFL. Adam, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Okay. Thank you, brother. Today. You got, you got guys. Thank you. All right, so take care. Adam Kaplan. Awesome. Awesome. Good get Gunner. Uh, I love talking with Adam. Uh, he, he gives good information. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm look to me. I still, Derek, the one thing I would say too. Um, when it comes to the punting situation. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you have. I know the Mets, the, the net, the Jets, the Mets. I got the Mets on my mind here. <laughs> the, the Jets worked out the kid Ariza. Yep. San Diego State kid. I haven't heard anything further on that. I, I, I wonder if low key, maybe under the radar, the Eagles might not bring him in too. I don't know that for a fact, but, right, right. you know, we'll see. Uh, but I, I, I think they realize they, they can't go another year with Sippos, man. And I know it's not, I don't know. I don't know. About, but, like, come on, you know, they, they, there's, it's so critical. They upgrade other positions all the time and they're just going to roll it back with that guy again. I don't see it. I don't think that's happening. 
I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I'm just telling you, don't be surprised if it happens <sighs> um, because of a lack of options out there. Number one, and especially if Ariza signs with somebody else. I mean, outside of Ariza, who else out there is even worth mentioning? There is. If you think about it. That's the problem. Any decent guy is already with the team, usually. Exactly. And that tells me you're going to put it in the hands of some untested rookie? No. Or whoever you bring in has been sitting out there a while, and nobody really wanted him, and you're that desperate just to bring him in? Right. So you can get people off your your back because of Sippos? You know? Say what you want to say about Sippos. He did have a few good moments, but too many bad moments overshadowed in terms of angle punting, uh, depth, things like that, uh, hang time. You know, for the most part, it was more negative than positive. Um, but when you look at the options out there, you may be better off with already what you have. It could be worse. As hard as that may sound, it it, it, it could be worse. So be careful what you ask for. I hear you. All right, let's come back. Well, let's uh, let's keep rolling with the Eagles talk uh, a little bit. We we kind of wet our beak there with Adam, but we'll keep that going. We'll mix in some more Phillies uh, stuff again. Two thirty. Derek Bodner is going to join us, and we'll talk about the Nick Nurse hire with him in our NFL segment today. Derek, we're going to look at the teams that made the playoffs in both conferences, AFC yep. and NFC. See if they all get back to the, to the promised land, and then the teams that were sort of on the cusp last year that didn't get in, a la. You know, the, the the Patriots, the Jets, for example, we'll throw the Broncos in there. You go to the NFC, it's the Lions, you know, the, the Commanders, maybe teams like the Saints. Will they get in? We'll look at teams that, that won't get in and will get in. We'll do that in our 2 o'clock segment. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with those finances of yours is critical. It could be a scary proposition, too, and I'm in the front of the line. Trust me. Uh, but I can tell you from personal experience, the gym and principal financial group are people that I trust with my hard earned money. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have uh, a new business. You're trying to figure out your employee benefits and just how to go about that. It's another resource the gym can help you with. I personally have entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give them a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. Nine nine six forty seven fifty one. You could also email him Murray M U R R A Y dot at principal dot com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal dot com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Back with you on this Wednesday. I'm, I'm, I, it's still like a clock adjustment having the, uh, the, the Monday holidays, that's for sure, but it is Wednesday, in fact. Middle of the week, Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis. But are you settled down now? Are you settled down? Did you get the venom out of your veins? Yes. Are you settled now? Are you back to normal, Rob? Well, normal? I'm never normal. All right. I'm I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. No, yeah, normal. No, I'm better. I'm not there yet, but I'm better than I was. (sighs) (laughs) Um, You got to let it go. You got to let it go, man. All right. So I had I had a question. It, it just sort of sparked when we were talking to yeah. Adam Kaplan a little bit earlier. If you yeah. missed any of the interview, by the way, go to jacobsports.com or just just go to Jacob Sports YouTube channel. You can go back and watch entirety of, of the show. You can old shows, you can watch old interviews that we do. They're all there. But I, I was just thinking about culture a little bit, Derek, um, and the and the culture that the Eagles have have built. Now I, I think you know when when you hear that, like the Heat are a great example of a, of a cultured organization. But this goes back a long way. Like this goes back to really a lot of the philosophies that they believe in fundamentally go back to like Andy Reed and Joe Banner in those days where it's built from the defensive line, offensive line, right. uh, work your way out a little, obviously you have to have a good quarterback, you know, skill position guys, somebody on the, you know, in, on, at the cornerback or safety spot, et cetera. That's kind of their core belief, but yep. there, there, there is that that's like sort of on the field. Nick Sirianni and this crew, and this is maybe where, you know, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie really get it when they do these interviews. Like they understand guys who are going to have a presence about them. Um, and, it, and it takes, it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Like, A, you got to be a leader yourself, period. But you also have to be willing to trust people. Like he has the leadership council with, with BG and Kelsey and those guys and take their input and listen to them, what they want, what they're feeling. Uh, know when to get on a guy, when to pat him in the on the butt. You know, it's all of those kind of things that that, that fall into this, Derek. You know, here's the one thing that I will give Jeffrey Lurie a lot of credit about, from from top to bottom, when it comes to front office people, players, coaches. He makes you understand you're not just a hire here, you're not just an employee here. You are invested in this organization. We want you to have the same mindset that I do meaning Jeffrey Lurie, that we want to be the best that we can be every every time we step on a football field. We want to put the best product out there also, and I need input from everybody. And if you're doing your jobs, I will step back and allow you to do your jobs. You know, Jeffrey Lurie is not one of these guys that needs to be front and center. 
like some owners in the National Football League, like a Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll let his people do his job. And when you let people breathe like that, it makes for a better work environment. And then, then Howie Roseman, he wants to get to know the players. He wants to know about their backgrounds. He wants to know about their personal lives. It's not just an employee-employer relationship. And then they find a head coach who understands that integrating players' ideas and thoughts are as much as uh, the equation for success is being talented on the football field. And that's why, you know, Andy Reid had his players' committee. You know, uh, Nick Sirianni, Doug Peterson had their players' committee because they want to know what the players are thinking. A good coach wants to know the pulse of his locker room. He doesn't just say, it's my way to the highway. The days of the only one who can get away with that nowadays is a Bill Belichick because right. of his immeasurable success that he's had as a head coach in the National Football League. But if you look at all these coaches now, they understand you have to coach each player individually. You cannot co- coach them collectively. You know, everybody is different in terms of how much you can push them, how much you can get in their faces, who who you can get in front of and who you need to go through a second tier like another player or a coach that the player may be, you know, may be feeling he's close to, to get your point across to that individual. And as a coach, I want to know, what are the guys thinking? What are we doing right in terms of practice? How we feed you, how we train you, how we take care of you when you're injured. Is everybody okay with what we're doing? What do you think we need to change to make the product better? And that's why a lot of players want to come here and play for this organization. Your players all the time talking about how they treat you like men here. You know, they value your input. You're not just a commodity they buy, trade, and sell. You know, you're a human being. You're putting on a uniform, a suit, so to speak, as a corporate representative of this entity in the National Football League. And players appreciate that. How much do you think they learned from Chip Kelly? In other words, I I think Jeffrey, probably Howie at the time when they hired him, were blown away by, you know, the fact that he was – doing something different and it was innovative and, and the sports science and, and still a lot of things that are used today in the NFL, Chip Kelly really was at the forefront of, even though, you know, we kind of mock him at this point as an NFL coach. So there, uh, there was a lot of good there, but his interpersonal skills were not a strength and we know how it all went down with Howie and all that. So how much do you think that served as a learning experience, Derek, for them about how to go about things with building that part of the culture tremendously because look at who they hired right after they get Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson was a complete opposite of chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, everybody knew in the building from his tenure here before as an assistant coach, um, Doug Peterson talks to everybody. Doug Peterson makes every, everybody feel welcome. He didn't alienate anybody. And he brought back a lot of the old school, Andy Reed ways, the, 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 Players Committee, uh, taking care of my veteran players, things of that nature. And players gravitated towards Doug Peterson instantly. The players who held over from the Chip Kelly era, it was like a breath of fresh air for them. You know, Chip Kelly treated all these guys like they were college guys. He didn't, he didn't believe in giving, you know, extended time off to the vets. Hey, we all practice as one. He didn't understand these are not 18 and 19-year-olds you just browbeat across the board. Or you tell them it's my way to the highway because they're enamored to be playing for Chip Kelly. These are grown men making six high six, seven-figure incomes who've been around the block. A lot of them came from different organizations that knew what it was like to be treated with respect. The ones that were holdovers knew what it was like in Andy Reid's tenure. 
to be treated with respect. And when this dude came in and implemented his way, it was like a culture shock. So Jeffrey realized quickly after two plus seasons, I've got to get it back to what it was. That's what work. That's what works here. That's what I want here in terms of Camelot, so to speak in my organization. We understand we are measured by wins and losses here, but I want people to feel good about coming to the workplace and being a part of something that's that's changing here for the better. Yeah, I I I, I agree with you, and I think this is where I really give Lori credit was, you know, he made that drastic move with Howie and and giving Chip that c- control, and he didn't even wait a full football season to realize he made the mistake and admit the mistake and move on. And it's it's one of the biggest things that drives me crazy in sports is. Where where you just sort of force feed something. Oh, well, he's making this much money, so this guy should be playing over this guy. Or we we went to these lengths, and he's got – no. If you made a mistake, people – I believe this truly. Fans will respect you more if you admit a mistake and move on and try and correct it. Jalen Rager's a good example. You got two years of knowing that he wasn't that guy, okay? Yep. And you moved on from him rather than let's go with a third year of forcing this guy out there. And, and that kind of thing, I think – really translates into winning organizations on a lot of levels. When you, when you admit your mistake in Philadelphia, initially it gets you a lot of, I told you so once again, the, the, the Eagles blew it, but you're right. People come to the realization once they're gone, man, you know what? I'm glad they admitted their mistake and moved on from this. Hopefully they can get it right the next time. And of course the Eagles did in this case, when they went out and got Devontae Smith, you know, um, sometimes organizations hold on too long, hoping for the best, and it gets worse instead of better. And it drives your fan base crazy because you're not listening to them. You can't conduct your business in the National Football League by listening to the outside noise every day. But Jeffrey Lurie is, is, is smart enough and in tuned enough to listen to the important things that the fans are saying, the media is saying, to base opinions – not a not, not significant amount of time, but to base on opinions on strategic moves um, on, on what the public outcry has been. Right. No better example of that than Howie Roseman, who admitted he had to learn to listen to other people. He wasn't always the smartest guy in the room. He had to understand that if you want the best players out there, you start in the SEC. And look at what he's done over the last three years in terms of bringing in players from the SEC. You know, his top picks across Great the board, point. SEC players. You know, it sometimes it takes some people a little bit longer to learn a valuable lesson more so than others. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, if you learn that lesson before it's too late, and, and yeah. how, he, how he definitely did that. And the other thing is, like I, we were talking about earlier, they're, they're not afraid to go out of the box a little bit. Uh, you yeah. know, going back to, and this is more Jeffrey Lurie than Howie, but going back to Andy Reid, that was out of the box. Uh, you know, Chip Kelly was sort of in box. He was the hot commodity at the time. It's a little bit of a departure. You know, Doug was known here, but I don't think Doug was coveted around the league at that time. And they brought in Doug because they knew they had to change the culture up from what Chip Kelly was and bring in someone who would mend fences and, and, and bring these guys together, and it worked. Now, they won a Super Bowl. It, it kind of went off the rails a couple of years later, whatever, and then they they sort of switched it up again. But I think Nick Sirianni is that guy. He's a uniter of men. 
And, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is these guys bought into it, man. They bought into it. The veterans especially bought into what he was selling. And you combine that with talent, woof, that's, that's a good combination. If you, if you look at three of the four coaches that, that Jeffrey hired, they were coaches that people in the Philadelphia area were going, what? This is who you're hiring out of all the options? Well, it worked with Andy Reid for a long period of time. After the first year, people wanted Doug Peterson fired. He wins the Super Bowl the next year. Nick Sirianni, first year, winning season, second year, Super Bowl. All three coaches that people are like, why are you hiring these people? Out of all the possible candidates, why are you hiring these people? It worked out well. Now, Chip, they got enamored with the boy wonder from Oregon with the innovative offense and all the crazy plays and, and using the cards to call his plays and all that stuff. It worked for Chip. It worked for them to a certain degree. I mean, yeah, back-to-back 10 and, six, 10 and 6 seasons under Chip. I think people forget that. First year, Chip took him to the Super Bowl. Chip took over a 4-12 and 12 Eagles team that Andy Reid left behind and turned it into a 10-6 and six team the next year, got them in the playoffs. Now, 10-6 and six, the, the following year did not get them in the playoffs, but they still had a 10-6 and six record. Right. And then all of a sudden, it bottomed out that third year to the point Jeffrey Lurie's hand was forced. You know, I'll never forget that, that that press conference when Chip came out and said, I don't make those decisions. All of a sudden, a few days later, he's fired. He's the, That was the end for Jeffrey Lurie because basically Chip was throwing people under the bus at that point. And Jeffrey Lurie says, no, 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 that's not what we do here. That's not the culture we want here. That is not the mindset. And couple in a lot of the other things that started to get back to Jeffrey about Chip, alienating people, so on and so forth. And he had to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. As much as I'm sure he wanted to keep Chip Kelly, he had to pull the trigger. Yeah, like I, I told you this. We had uh, maybe it was the day before. It was the day before we had, uh, or that day we had. Uh, Dave Spadaro was on Breakfast on Broad with, yeah. with Barrett, myself, and and Jillian and Sarah. And I had never heard Dave, who was an Eagles. Dave's an Eagles employee, so yeah. this is not a knock on Dave. He he works for the Eagles. You're going to get an Eagles, generally an Eagles positive slant, but he will keep it real with you with certain things. And he went in really hard on Chip Kelly. And as you know, we're doing the interview and we finish up and we did a post-show meeting. I I said to everybody, guys, something's up. You you know, Dave does not, you don't usually hear that kind of thing from Dave. Yeah. Unless something is really going, I said, just be prepared. And everybody was kind of like, there's still a game left. And uh, like, okay, I'm just telling you, this is a real departure from what you usually get. And don't you know it? It was, I can't remember. It was either later that night or the very next day he got, he got fired. Yeah. And, and I, I, it was just, there was something, there was an air to everything that was going on. And you're right, Derek, you started to hear everybody from, from office assistants to the, the poor secretary who had been there for like 35 yeah. years or whatever. The whole building was fractured. And I know that stuff got back to Jeffrey Lurie. And as soon as I think that, that really hit the, you know, hit a button with him, hit hit a nerve with him, where he was just like, uh-uh, this has got to stop, and it's got to stop right now. And then that's what he did. You know, he stopped it. Well, I don't think we'll ever see another Chip Kelly here. I think Chip Kelly did a great job selling his bill of goods to get here. You know, there's no way the Eagles could have foreseen what the personality behind the guy was like. Now, obviously, he was a big man on campus at Oregon. 
and he thought he could approach the game at the NFL level the same way. I don't know if Chip Kelly will ever coach in the NFL again. I don't know if he wants to yeah, because he doesn't have that same kind of power. You know, he's at UCLA now. The program's on a rise. Yeah, he's got them in their nation shape. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, so he's back to his element of being the guy who calls all the shots and nobody really questioning him. That doesn't happen in the National Football League. You have to answer to somebody mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, it's um, it's an interesting case study. Where I think it's a, a, a sort of um, fascinating life lesson in that yeah. sometimes you view something as a failure or a loss, and maybe it is at that second. But ultimately, when you take a step back, it helps you moving forward to yep. go about things differently, right? Absolutely. So, so that's a, that's an example of that. Um, all right. So I, I we I, we'll get to the NFL stuff heavy, like I mentioned, uh, in a little bit around two o'clock, and we'll do our birthdays and all those kind of things coming up at one thirty. But I did just want to jump around a little bit here. Um, there, despite my rant and rave, there was a silver lining last night. There was a positive. Ranger Suarez pitched well mm-hmm. for the Phillies. First time this year he's pitched well. He went six and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, four strikeouts, gave up the one home run in 99 pitches. One of the things he said was he really slowed himself down last night, um, and he felt like he got back to who he was. That's going to be big if they can ever get their act together elsewhere uh, it, it, You know, with, with him because he was – really integral to everything they did last year. They used him as a starter. They used him as a reliever in the postseason. He was great for them. So not a lot good here, but that's the one good was the way Suarez worked. And I thought his tempo and pace were really good too. Well, I don't, I don't know how much he could slow himself down considering you have that 15 second clock that you have to throw pitches in between. That game was 220 last night. I know, dude. I do. And, you know, people, people say, well, that was a boring game. And I, and I tell you this all the time. To me, that that's baseball right there. Yeah, I love a good pitching duel. I watch a one nothing, two one, two one, uh, two nothing game every day of the week over a ten nine game, you know, eight seven type game. I just love quality pitching when you see it. It's hard to find that in, in Major League Baseball now because the product is so watered down. It's like trying to find thirty two starting quarterbacks in the National Football League, you know, because and they keep expanding. But Suarez finally gave them something that they have been missing, a dominant pitching performance. Granted, Zach Wheeler gave one of those over the weekend. Yeah. But Suarez has now got – he's got to level out. You know, he can't be like Nola and, and Wheeler for much of the season, up one minute, down the next. Somebody on that pitching staff has to be a stabling force. Even the guys coming out of the bullpen, you know, they pitch well one night, they get blown up the next night. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win many games like that you, with that formula. You know, if you if you blew people away one night, you got to come back the next time you get the ball in your hands and do the same thing. You know, you look at a guy like Soto. Soto can throw 99, 100 miles an hour. When he's on point, he is on point. But his la- what his last appearance? Oh, uh, when he I'll tell you, Derek. When he looks bad, whoa, man, like it's bad. He he struggles with control. It's all over the place. And you're right. When he looks good, he, he's he's virtually unhittable. But the, yes. the problem is he's got to find some kind of happy medium. Um, yes. You know, and they're also they're missing Alvarado, you, you know, in a big way. And, and he'll be coming back soon, which is big. Um, yep. You know, and, and that that will you know, the bullpen really has not been their their issue. It's been their starting pitching and the inconsistency with the bats. So, I, you know, I, I give credit to the bullpen because they've been asked to do too much already this year. You know, and the biggest thing for them is just going to be, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know if um, I don't know if 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 the Philly starting staff can. Oh, did we lose Rob? Did we lose him? Did he freeze on us? What, Rob? What happened now? Oh well, Rob Ellis is uh, in frozen mode right now, and hopefully we get him back sooner rather than later. Um, at least he's not at Panera, not at Panera Bread today. Uh, we're going to step aside for just a moment and see if our producer Tone can can get Rob back for us. You are watching the Hump Day edition of Sports Take right here on the Jacob Sports Media YouTube channel. Don't go anywhere. We're right back after this. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Are you going to be doing this all week, really? Am, am I going to? I'm going to pull a couple. <laughs> no, I'm I, honestly, man. Like the desktop just went to black. Nothing was touched. No, I didn't lose internet. I didn't lose power. Went to black. It boots right back up, and I'm back. I don't even know how to explain it, man. I don't even know what maybe, the heck. Maybe, happen. maybe you got a poltergeist in your house or something. I, I don't know, man. But we took a what did we do? We took a full fledged break there. Is that what no? That, that was a are? quick break. That wasn't a full fledged break. Okay. Tell what are you doing, man? That was like oh, a we still, second break. One, where where are we? Do we what do we need to do? <laughs> uh, Tone will let us know. He will let us know. Uh, but we were in the middle of talking about culture uh, and the Eagles and, and all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. All, all of a sudden, I'm in mid mid sentence, and it just goes <clears throat> like, "All right, great." I don't know. Hard to hard to find out. Hard to figure out. Um, all right, but Tone, just let us know. Let us know if we need to get that break in, just kind of where we are. That way I can sort of plan things out uh, as we go forward. But, yeah, I mean, we were, we were touching on the uh, the Phillies and, you know, just needed to get their act together. Just, just put it in perspective real quick. Last thing I'll say on the on the Phillies here, and we'll, we'll turn our sights to some other stuff. But um, so they're sitting there right now. They're, they, they have the Mets today and tomorrow. Uh, Nola goes tonight. They're six and a half back, which, you know, it's not awful, but. It's not bad. You know, it's not bad, not, dude. Not they're 25 and 29, and the Braves are 32 and 23. Mets are 28 and 27, as are the Marlins, right? So, they're you know, the, even the teams that are in second and third place in the NL East are only a game over 500. So, we just don't know uh, what's going on there, um, you know, for sure. It was, it was kind of, it was just kind of strange. Uh, you know, you, you're watching last night, and I, I just can't understand how, as the innings are going on, and you know how he's pitching you. And I understand it, man. Some, it's tempting when that thing all of a sudden it just drops. The the ghost fork is what he throws. He throw, the, the pitch that he throws. Yeah. Um. But they just kept biting on the same stuff, and that was driving. And and again, credit to Kodai Senga, Japanese pitcher. But his, you know, he has walked a lot of people uh, this season, and the, and the Phillies just took a really bad approach. I thought. Um, well, it was the first the first time they'd ever seen him. First of all, yeah, it is. It is. Um, it was. You know, obviously he's had a measure of success and he's struggled as well. 
But dude, when you got a pitch, when you got a pitch like that, and it looks like a fastball coming out of your hand, and all of a sudden it falls off the table. Sometimes it's hard, especially a fastball hitting team like the Phillies. Sometimes it's hard to hold back mm-hmm. on a pitch like that. Mm-hmm. And man, I tell you what, he used this fastball to set up that forkball pitch perfectly last night against the Phillies. I'm sitting there watching the game going, okay, eventually they're going to catch it. They're going to catch up to it. And lo and behold, seventh inning, they still had – what they didn't have a base runner until, what, the eighth inning? Seventh inning? Something like that? Yeah. It was cr- well, uh, Cody Clemens got a hit early in the game. You're right. You're right. One base runner, yep. Yeah, right. It, it was crazy. And, and But they – yeah, I mean and, – and props to Brandon Nimmo who robbed uh, Castellanos of a home yep. run. He, yep. you know, he climbed the wall and brought one back. That was it, it looked like it was it was either going to just go out or just at the top. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Top of the fence. It was kind of borderline. Uh, and, and credit to Castellanos, who made a great catch on Nimmo later. Yes. He returned yep. the favor. Now, he didn't rob him of a home run, but he made a nice diving catch because it, it would have been way worse than 2 nothing had he not made that catch. And, and, and you saw where you know Nemo Nemo stands there. He's got this smile on his face, yeah. and as Castellanos passes, he pats him on the back. You know, yeah. say, "Hey, one good turn deserves another." Bro. It was a pretty cool little yeah. moment there. Yeah. Those two had that was uh, that's for sure. All right, we will get a a regular regular timeout in here, Derek. And when we come back, uh, I'm going to give you some ridiculous numbers on what the NBA Eastern Conference Finals did, what the playoffs are doing ratings wise. Right. Pat McAfee has his ESPN deal in tow, and it's a monster deal. We'll talk about that uh, documentary tonight that looks fascinating uh, for the 2001 Sixers on NBA TV. We'll discuss that. We'll do birthdays. We'll do movies. 2 o'clock NFL, 2.30, Derek Bodner. So we'll talk Nick Nurse and Sixers with Derek Bodner coming up at 2.30. All right. uh, I'm here. Don't go anywhere. Uh, That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Going to tell you right now about Pro Action Restoration. If you have a home, you have a business, you have a property, and unfortunately you get hit with a fire or flooding um, or mold damage or smoke damage, whatever the case may be, and you're not equipped to handle this thing, right? As, nor should you be. You don't know who to reach out to, but I got the people that you reach out to. It's ProAction Restoration. That's who you reach out to because they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. Something goes down this past Monday when it's Memorial Day, something happens to you on a Sunday night, they're the people that you reach out to because I've, I've reached out to them on a Saturday and they got right out and they assisted me and it, it could not have gone better. Um, they're licensed, bonded, fully insured, and they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Pro-action restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company as well. So again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. Six zero or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. That is Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, hanging out with you on this Wednesday. By the way, tomorrow we'll have Keith Pompey from the Inquirer uh, talk about the Nick Nurse situation. He's been on the James Harden thing uh, really from the jump, from from even even before the season ended. So we'll talk to him about that as well, Derek. All right, uh, speaking of the NBA here, um, Game 7 between the Heat and the Celtics, the Monday night game, Average 11.9 view, million viewers, 11.9 million. Yeah, almost 12 million. Uh, it's the most watched playoffs in general that TNT has had in five seasons. Um, they're averaging for all of their playoff games that they had. They're done now. ESPN takes it from here with the championship. But they averaged 4.7 million viewers. Uh, so, you know, interest levels up, Derek. And, and 
you know, they obviously this this turned into a series. It looked like it was going to be a runaway, yep. which, which certainly helped. There's no doubt. Um, but still, I mean, you know, interest is there for sure. Well, after the all-star fiasco, a lot of people thought that NBA was dead. You know, there was a lack of interest, but that is not the case. People still love their basketball. And, and what a great storyline. First of all, you had the hated Boston Celtics. You had a Boston Celtics team that was in an 0-3 hole that kept creeping back. You have the Jimmy Butler story who just takes over games when he feels like it. You have this Miami Heat team that nobody thought could beat the, the, the Boston Celtics. And, of course, everybody wanted to see the intrigue. Would Boston become the first team to ever come out of a whole 0-3 hole to win a series? Um, and just to see if Miami could rise to the challenge from losing that game six by a fraction of a second. The storylines for this game were incredible, you know. Yeah. And I'm not surprised one bit that that many people on the average watched. You know, people love, love the NBA. People love their basketball. The athletes are phenomenal in this game. And you know, I, I saw the, I saw the t- somewhere in the, uh, social media people are saying, "Oh, it's a it's a nightmare for the networks that Miami's playing Denver in the NBA Finals." I don't think it is. First of all, you have a team that's never been there before versus a team that knocked off the number one and number two seeds to get there. Nobody thought they would get there. And I think I think the numbers for this finals are going to be very impressive. Might even be record setting because a lot of people on the outside looking in are so enamored by this Denver team. You know, people are, you know, who, this Jokic guy, and of course the way they can shoot the lights out when they're hot. Uh Miami the same way can shoot the lights out in any given moment. I think I think I think this is going to be possibly a record setting NBA finals in terms of viewership. I think it'll do well too. Uh, you know, look, I the Jimmy Butler thing is interesting to people. He, you know, he is just a guy who, 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 you know, for whatever reason, there's a dynamic with him that makes people watch. You want to see what he's going to do, how he's going to, how he's mm-hmm. going to perform. Um, and you're right with Denver. Denver's unique. We haven't seen this before. I think Jokic is an attraction. I think people who are who are maybe casual fans are going to are going to see how great Jamal Murray is. So I, I think there is a lot there, you know, and the fact that that Miami went through this whole crazy run, people want to see if they can finish the job off or get it yeah, done. And then, absolutely, you know, conversely, the the Nuggets just ran through the Lakers. So how how good are they, you know, et cetera. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think people are going to be I think they're going to be interested. Um, hey, speaking of that. Tonight, I think it's at eight o'clock on the NBA Network. Um, they have the, uh, everything but the chip, I think is what they're calling it. Okay. And it's the 2001 Sixers, uh, basically story. And, uh, apparently there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that, that, that they dig up that we hadn't heard of previously with Allen and with Larry Brown and, you know, Billy King and Pat Croce trying to <laughs> try to police all this stuff and play referee and whatnot. Um, I'm in, I'm in, I'll be watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good. And what time does it come on? Eight o'clock tonight. So will you be watching that or the Phillies? Here's what I think I'm going to do. I think I'll DVR the 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 Sixers special. Okay. And when the Phil these Phillies games go so quick now, they're over by nine thirty. Yeah. yeah. I'll uh, I'll crank that bad boy out. I think it's an hour. So I'll watch that after the uh, after the Phillies game ends. Which which will still give you plenty of time to put your stocking feet on and your little stocking cap and still get your much needed rest at a decent hour after watching the Phillies and this and the Sixers special. I, I walk up to bed. You know they, they used to do it in the old days with the with the, the with little the candle. Lamp. Yeah, my little yeah. candle and yeah. my my yeah my hat. Ah! Yeah. 
exactly. My wool, my wool pajamas. Yeah. Wool with yeah. the flap in the back. <laughs> you have to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be checking them both out. I'll be on both tonight. And then with the NBA final start tomorrow night, which is great. You know, that quick, you, you got that quick a turnaround. So that's awesome. Good. Uh, yeah, good is right. Hey, speaking of this, did you see Pat McAfee, who was leaving uh, whatever he was on, Fan FanDuel? Yeah. And now he's going to ESPN, but he got a five year, $85 million deal. Five, 85. I mean, what is that, 17 a year? Something like that. 17 a year in a, in a business in an industry that is either cutting back and firing people, letting people walk when their contracts are up. Like very few people get paid well or to the extent I, I let me, let me rephrase that. That's all relative. They get paid to the extent that they got paid 10, 15, even 20 years ago. Uh, it, it's going the other way in a lot of cases for him to get this kind of deal is, is nothing sort of remarkable. Especially when you consider that it was mandated by the head of Disney that you need to cut 7,000 jobs and roughly $5.5 billion off of the ledger. And yet, you're telling a lot of people working behind the scenes um, that your services are no longer needed. People making 40, 50, 60,000 a year. But yet, you rub it in their faces by signing Pat McAfee to an $85 million deal. Now, obviously, when you do something like that, you, you're in terms of commercializing and marketing, you feel that, that that's self-contained. It will make its own money. But why does the little guy get blamed for the other financial deficiencies that you're in? They don't make those decisions. You do as the, as, as, as the head of the company and your team, uh, your brain trust. They make those decisions. But yet people that have rolled up their sleeves and been loyal to you for years are now scrambling, trying to find other work. And I understand in corporate America, we watch this all the time. Yep. But there has to be a better balance. If if you're concerned about the overhead, why don't the top executives take less money? If you're making eight, 10, 12 million dollars a year, why can't and you get bonuses as well? Most corporate heads get bonuses on top of that. In a lot of cases, seven figure bonuses. Why do you, why can't you take a pay cut to help out some of the little guys keep their jobs? Why can't you take half of your, of a bonus? It's not like you're hurting for money. Okay. Yeah. But the people at the top take what they take and they leave everybody else to fend for themselves. Hmm. And I, and, and it's unfortunate that this happens, not just at ESPN. I'm talking about in corporate America across the board. Yeah. We see this time and time again. You know, I don't understand how you slap the guy in the face who comes in there and helps make your product grow and makes it better and, and, and into what it what it has become as a as a household name, not just across the nation, but across the world in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's a shame. And we you know, there was the first bloodletting at ESPN back in uh, April. And now there's another one coming up in June. Um, not not just ESPN, but, you know, right. But. Worldwide, their offices mm -hmm. worldwide, um, and it's a shame, you know, that, that that the only thing people have to look forward to is a pink slip, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, and and look, you and I have lived this on on a different level, um, you know, not the national level, but a regional level. We've lived this, and you know, I would have people saying to me like, "Well, you know, why would they let 
you go or why would they let so-and-so go? They're right, so good. Right. And, and I, and I would always, you know, in turn say to people, it's, it's, it's rarely ever about how good you are, man. Unfortunately, right, right. And it's a, it's a, it's about a, it's about a bottom line in a lot of cases. And the, the, frankly, the game's changed a lot. And, mm-hmm. and that's why you're right, Derek. It's, it's both sides of the fence. Like one side of the fence, you're like, it sucks for some dude who's just, he's a producer and he's just trying yeah. to get by yeah. man. and he's, he's barely getting by to begin with. And you're going to, you're going to ax him and make, yeah. you know, one person do the job of three or four. And this, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not begrudging. I'm not taking anything away from Pat McAfee. God bless it. You're worth whatever they're going to pay you, man. Good for you. Absolutely. But it's noteworthy because it's rare now that, that, that somebody like that gets, I mean, you have a few Stephen A. Smith and, you pointed out in a pre-show meeting, you know, what Aikman and Buck are making is for Monday Night Football is unreal. Um, Tony Romo, whatever. But there's only a handful of those guys now. It's, it's, yep. It is just much different uh, than what it used to be. So this is a rare one. But we'll see. We'll see how it, how it goes. I'm, I'm curious. I'll be interested to see the way it works. I give McAfee credit. He, he really set out and, and, and said, I'm doing this on my own. I'm not going to be at the mercy of you know, a lot of the suits mm-hmm. and it's, it sounds like he's got a lot of control on, on his content too. So we'll see, we'll see how he clashes. If there is a clash with the ESPN folks. Mm. Um, all right, let's do some birthdays. And we usually do them a little bit later in the show, but we have Derek Bodner coming up at two 30. So we'll, we'll get our birthdays in. It's a good birthday day. Um, I'll because start with May. It's correct. Still a day left. Uh, Clint Eastwood, 93 years young. Still Derek. kicking. Still doing it, man. I mean, I, I don't know if he's, acted or directed lately but as of about five years ago he was still directing and acting which is crazy to be that active uh as he is so props you know major props to him um joe willie namath broadway joe is 80 today 80 Mm. years old man the guarantee super bowl three we're gonna win we're we're gonna win people are like dude you're playing baltimore and you said this Mm mm-hmm Nobody thought nobody, but Joe Willie, nope. Joe Willie, he Incredible. he proved everybody wrong, man. Yeah, he did. Great yeah, quarterback, did. I loved him. Yeah, he used to wear the fur coats everywhere he went. <laughs> yeah, had different different women on his arms every night. Uh-huh. You know, dude, he was a he was a king back then. Everybody oh. couldn't wait to see what Joe Willie was going to do next in New York. On top of it, oh, oh my it. goodness, incredible! Are you kidding me? Um, uh, the actor Colin Farrell uh, yep. is forty seven today. Uh, Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields is 58. She just put a book out not all that long ago, uh, did Brooke Shields. Leah Thompson, who was great in the 80s and a lot of different things, including Back to the Future. Yep. Uh, she's 62 today. Uh, Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman, the, the great philosopher, writer, poet, uh, born on this day in 1819. He's um, uh, one of the most influential po- uh, poets in the history of this country. Yeah, he inst- yeah. A, a, a bridge not all that far from you and I named after yeah. him. Yes. Um, John Bonham, who was the drummer for, for Led Zeppelin, was born on this day in 1948. Fortunately, we lost him very young uh, in 1980, um, but he was a spectacular drummer. Uh, former NBA player, Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson's 39 today. Um, Chris Elliott, actor, comedian, funny in a lot of the things that he's in. Former David Letterman uh, producer and skit guy is 63. Uh, one of my favorites, you don't see him much anymore. Tom Berenger who right. was in major league and platoon, you know, and, and a ton of stuff. Always liked him. Um, Donna Michi from trading places and who had a great movie career before that was born on this day, 1908. 
uh, the actor Eric Christian Olsen. He is in uh, NCS Los Angeles. If you've ever seen that show, he, he's got kind of the shaggy hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordy Nelson Gunner, who was a a phenomenal Packer. Yeah, for he a was. Long time. Yeah, thirty eight. He had what from a career K- he had from yep. K State. That's right. Uh, Gregory Harrison, the actor, is seventy three today. Sharon Gless from Cagney and Lacey is seventy today. Corey Hart wears his sunglasses at night at 61 today. You just made a reference to that yesterday. I know. I couldn't believe when I looked up today that he was his birthday. Uh, Daryl McDaniels, Run DMC, part of the uh, founders of Run DMC, is 59 today. Dave Roberts, uh, Dodgers manager, 51 years old today. Kenny Lofton, who was a a, a great two-sport star at the University of Arizona, basketball and baseball, 56 years old. Susie Essman, the comedian actress who's in Curb Your Enthusiasm, among other stuff, is 68 today. Uh, you got any more birthdays? Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it, was <laughs> born on this day in 1938. Great name. Great uh, Goose Tatum, one of the original Globetrotters. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, was born on this day in 1921. Okay. And uh, Peter Yarrow was a singer and songwriter for the group Peter, Paul, and Mary back in the 60s. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he co-wrote the song Puff the Magic Dragon. Yes. You remember this? Yeah. Can you tell me Can you tell me what Puff the Magic Dragon was about? I think they may have, uh, that may have been inspired by some extracurricular activities that they may have been involved in when they wrote that song. Some halluc- hallucinogens? Is I that what you're telling me? Maybe some Aaron Rodgers special uh was involved you know some of that desert peyote potentially that, that may have been involved I, I don't know how else you write that kind of song man so yes yeah uh, i can't understand how popular it became yeah they, well they had a lot they were big like during those that the, the 60s man the, the folk singers and the beatniks and all that kind of stuff yes um and uh dr norman vincent peel was born on this day in 1898 wrote the book yep. the power of positive thinking absolutely great one yep. great one um all right uh good Good, uh, good movies too. Uh, now you see me from 2013, which I thought was really good. Uh, Rocket Man, which is the Elton John story, and uh, came out in 2019. Undercover Brother, 2002. Yeah. Eddie Griffin. Uh, Fletch, with Chevy Chase, 1985. Some of All Fears, great movie, 2002. Yes. Uh, Bullet, Bullet, which was one of Tupac's movies. Uh, I think that may have actually came out after he was gone but it came out posthumously mm. in 1996 so uh yeah that's all the movies i have you got any more uh after earth 2013 with will smith and his son Jaden. okay uh you also have the movie ma which ma which is a which is uh like a thriller type movie uh came out in 2019 mm-hmm. and godzilla king of the monsters 2019 okay yep that's, that's it all right, that's good, man. That's good. I like it. Um, yeah. So we were we were earlier we were talking about we we're hitting a bunch of different things. Ran through the Phillies, ran through the uh, a lot of Eagles, and like I said, we're gonna have some Sixers coming up uh, in a little bit. And our NFL segment too. I'm looking forward to doing this sort of walking through the playoff teams uh, that were there. But you know, look, a couple different things to to look at upcoming for the Eagles. And we're not all that far away now from camp. They got they they will have the OTAs and all that kind of stuff um, coming up. But it is sort of that quiet period right now um, for the Eagles. And the thing we don't know when everything's sort of laying this low is if how he's going to pull the trigger on a deal. And I know it's only natural for people to be speculating about about DeAndre Hopkins. I I don't see that part of it. 
Right, but right. but I do wonder, Derek, if there's not a, a move in the offing here to, to try and get a linebacker or a safety. I don't think it's something that's going to cost them a lot. I don't think they're going to be giving up a lot. But I do think it's a possibility that, that right. we, we something happens before camp or right as we get into camp. You think you think we're going to get it down to one bit because that's how he's yeah. demo. Um, I, I think I think there's a good possibility. I think there's more of a possibility that they may get something once the okay. season starts. I think I think they're going to let their current crop uh, play itself out and obviously study the film. Okay, he does this well. He does not do this well. Um, you know, we, we thought that we could count on him to do this. This is going to be a problem. And then they go out and pursue something else to shore up the ranks as they did last year, you know, going out in October um, and, and picking up pieces to the equation. Um, the, the only way you really make a move like that now is if you need another camp body at a, a specific position. I don't think they need that right now. I think they have, a, I think they have the 90 players. Now, granted, Somebody gets dropped between now and training camp. Their peace the Eagles' interest. They'll call a young man up. Hey, I know we said you go to training camp with us, but uh, we need your spot for somebody right. else. But right. for the most part, I don't think Howie's going to sit pat with this one Oda uh, from start to finish the season in terms of the roster that we see today uh, being the same roster come late December. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I don't know if it would have to be you know the impetus would have to be a, a um, an injury or something like that. I don't know. Uh, you know, frankly, he, he may make yeah. a move. He may not make a move, but I, but I know how aggressive he is. And I, yeah. and I think they believe that they're a little bit thin at, at a couple of those spots back there. You know, I know they don't typically, um, you know, emphasize the linebacker spot a lot, but I, but I, I do believe that, that, that something could go down, but it pro- most likely, I don't think we'll see it till camp. Like some of it is just wait and see. And let's, let's, you know, frankly, see what it looks like before you make any kind of move. And by the way, did you see that the uh, the Niners are encouraged by uh, Brock Purdy's throwing session? They they feel good about keep, where he's at. They, they keep saying they keep saying they expect him to be ready by the start of the season. Yeah, and I understand everybody's he- healing rate um, accelerates at different paces. Mm-hmm. I I just don't I don't know, man. When you're talking about an injury of that magnitude. Now, he didn't surgery until March. They thought he was going to have it right after the season. He didn't yeah. have the surgery until the end of March, which means you're pushing back the time uh, for him to be ready. But that's why they pay these doctors and training staffs all this money in terms of the type of surgery, the rehab, how much to push, how much to back off. And it's been consistent that he has a good chance of being ready at the start of this season. Now, d- does that mean he's going to be the starting quarterback? Because Trey Lance – just came out and said the other day he's enjoying football more than he ever has in a long time. So what is he being told by the organization compared to what is Purdy being told by the organization? It's going to be good, healthy competition among them, but somebody's not going to be happy when that season starts. Yeah, you're right about that. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. All right, so we'll come back. <clears throat> we'll, we'll go full-fledged NFL uh, when we return, I- including uh, Aaron Rodgers' latest uh, on from some of his days with the Packers, Tyler Boyd, Jameis Winston, Jags kind of working Calvin Ridley back into this thing, and playoffs, yay or nay. Plus, a great story that you uncovered, Derek, 
uh, about the Minnesota Vikings and and their stadium and and what it means mm-hmm. to to the folks in that area. So we'll we'll dive into all of that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We're Sports Day, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you right now about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They're just a quick phone call away, and they're experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. Keep in mind, we've got great weather right now. It's an awesome time to have your trees evaluated before the, the heavy winds and rain come in uh, with the summer season. Go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia Dreams. Oh, and go birds. Alright, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
Yes, Eagles. We're back. Yes, we are. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are hanging out with you on this Wednesday. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, Gunnar, let's turn our sights to some NFL activity here. So there was a, a pretty interesting piece uh, on the athletic, in the athletic, excuse me, uh, regarding regarding Aaron Rodgers and uh, and his time, sort of the end of his time in Green Bay, which I found interesting. Um, so I'll give you a little excerpt um, from it, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. So the gist of it is, you know, we kind of knew that he was unhappy with the way things were were playing out. Um, but the gist of it is, according to a source associated with the team who, who was granted anonymity to candidly discuss the sensitive dynamics between the front office and the star quarterback early in the 2001 season. All right. So not okay. last year, the year before. Wait, the, the you mean 2021. 21. Yeah, sorry. 2021 offseason. Uh, okay. Dunn, Dunn, who was, at, who was Aaron Rodgers' agent, called the Packers president, Mark Murphy, with a request. He said, fire uh, Gutenkunst, who was the uh, the general manager there, or trade Rodgers. And Murphy didn't do either. Months later, news broke that Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay, but the, but the Packers held firm. So this was going on not just last year, but the year before that as well, uh, the, the drama behind the scenes of them. Look, he, he is a great player and has been a great player, and I think he'll be really good for the – for the Jets as well. I'm, I'm so over this guy, Derek. I think he's so passive aggressive. I, right. I think what, you know, right. what he puts out there publicly is one thing. What happens behind the scenes with him is another. He's a tough guy to like for me, at least from, from an he, outsider perspective. He's, he sits in front of a camera and he smiles and he gives you a slash smile and he tells you what, you know, uh, you, he, he thinks you want to hear and he deflects all of the, the questions about, attention behind the scenes and then he came out publicly and said that uh when he when he felt like he was being disrespected he should be included in some of the decision making process and then he said the the the, the relationship between him and guten whatever his name is was repaired um obviously it's all a facade i think this dude um felt that he had green bay over a barrel for so many years and he did but I also blame the organization for allowing this to happen, for giving him the, that red carpet type treatment. There's, there's nothing wrong with treating a future Hall of Famer and a star player a little differently mm-hmm. than you do other players, but not to the point where you're constantly, you know, changing his diaper for him every time he, you know, he has an accident. You know, sometimes <laughs> you got to man up. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you got to. Sometimes you got to man up, you know, mm-hmm. and Rogers put himself on a pedestal bigger than the rest of the team. Now he got away with it because he was Aaron Rodgers and some of the great things that he would do on the football field. You right. got to imagine he had to rub some people the wrong way, you know, along the way. And I'm talking teammates, right? You know, um, that's why maybe that explains why the Packers drafted that young quarterback when they did. They saw this coming, but they had to bite their tongues and play the game for at least a couple of years to get this kid ready to take over. It all makes sense now 
that they were probably putting up with this for, for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, as they did with Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was there, they felt they needed three years to let this kid st- sit and learn from one of the best, and then we can pull the trigger on this thing. And they strategically decided this was the year. We've gone as far as we can without Rodgers. I mean, you heard the story that Matt LaFleur basically wasn't running the offense he wants to run because Aaron Rodgers didn't like it. Yeah, essentially they're going to open things back up to what yeah, they yeah. what they had hoped the offense would be with with Love this year. Yeah, so that's why I can't wait to see it. Now, Packer fans, you know you, you're going to have to be patient because um, even though the guy sat on the bench for three years and played sporadically in the three years that he's been here, it's not like doing it every day. You know, you, you're not taking the snaps under center every day. You're not getting into games every day. You're not building that trust with your teammate. You haven't built that trust with your teammates. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of growing pains this season for Green Bay in a lot of ways. But we see a young nucleus of players that are going to have an opportunity to grow together. If this offense is supposed to be more wide open, it should be a better offense than what it has been the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. With a more mobile quarterback, younger, faster receivers. Uh, they got a good, solid running back, a good offensive line. The defense is the biggest problem. As much as the quarterback is a big question mark, the defense with seven former first-round picks on it is a bigger problem the way they fell apart last year. If they can get the defense to play up to par, it'll probably be an average average season for Green Bay, but a season of promise moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I am absolutely uh, with you on that. All right, so a couple other things. Um, this was this is a pretty cool, pretty cool story here. The And you alerted me to this one. The Minnesota Vikings have paid off their their – stadium debt 23 years earlier than what the anticipated date was going to be 23 years. I mean, more than two decades earlier. And in doing so, it's going to save the taxpayers of the area uh, more than $226 million. Mm. So uh, look, credit to Vikings ownership and and management for being able to to pull this thing off. Uh, Maybe it speaks to how much money these, these teams actually pull in, but, that's that's a good job by them because we hear a lot of horror stories too. Yep. You know, with, with this kind of thing, and where teams can't get out of contracts or want to get out of these crappy stadiums. A great example was Oakland for a long yep. time. Yep. So this is a, this is one of the positives here. If if I'm a team that has a current new stadium like SoFi Stadium in Vegas, or a team that's going to be building a new stadium like Buffalo, I'm running to Minnesota and ask, "How did you do this? What did you do?" What kind of bonds did you have that you were able to cash in this quickly to pay off this kind of astronomical debt? Um, You don't hear about stories like this. You usually hear about a team taking 30 years to pay off a stadium, 20 years to pay off a stadium. The fact that they're paying this thing off 23 years in in advance? And, of course, you know the taxpayers are are applauding this, standing up, giving them a standing ovation because it's putting money back in their pockets. Exactly. That's the first thing I'm thinking as, as a taxpayer for a new stadium. What? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting my money back? Uh-huh. Oh, oh heck yeah. Yeah. You know, but what a great story. Wow. No, it's awesome. That That is awesome. All right. From the uh, – I don't know, my man. Might be a little delusional, but I guess you have to feel this way category. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Jameis Winston still thinks he's a starter in the NFL. I, I, you know what? Uh, here's what I think happened. I think maybe the Geno Smith resurrection story has given guys some hope. Uh, that you know, even after five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years in the league, right. 
right. there's still a chance. And there is because let's face it, there's so many injuries. You never know what could happen. I just, I don't know, man. It, it felt like he had that one really good year with Sean Payton. Right. And he just has never been the same guy since. I, I just, I'm not a big believer. I think he just turns the ball over way too much. I, I, I agree. Um, I understand, I understand why Jameis thinks he's a starting quarterback. When you look around the league and you see some of the other guys starting in the league, I get that. Um, if you were starting quarterbacks, you would have been on somebody's roster that could have put you in a starting position. I think the rest of your career will be based on you being a habitual backup. You know, I think your better day has come and gone. Um, you know, I understand the confidence you have in you, but you're not, I don't think you're Geno Smith. You know, and, and Geno Smith wasn't Geno Smith until 10 years into the league. Right. I don't think – I think Geno Smith gradually got better. Jameis leveled off and got worse. And so I think his starting days a, – a regular starting days in the National Football League are, are long behind him now. Think what you want, but I just think there's something in your mechanics, something in your, your overall approach to the game that's missing. Some of the throws you make in the in the in the coverage coverages, some of the interceptions you serve up for a guy who's been in the league as long as you have defies logic. And I think teams across the league have come to the realization he might be worthy to be in the league, but as a backup and, and as as somebody who can come in in case somebody else gets injured. That's about it. Yeah, and, and it's not to say he hasn't had a couple of good years here and there. He has, you know, for sure. Um, but you know, the, 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 I, you just look at the last few years. He had that really good, if you remember, um, first seven games, I think it was in 2021. Oh, my goodness. Got, yes. Yeah. He was off to, it was, it was, a, he had a 14 to three, yep. uh, touchdown interception ratio, which phenomenal, right? But yep. there's too many, like the, the last year in Tampa, 33 and 30, like 30 interceptions. Jeez. Jeez. You know, the year before he had 14, the year before he had 11, the year before that 18, the year before 15. It's just, it's too many. It's just too many in general. And look, he, he could hang around for another eight years and, and make a nice living, you know, just being a backup. Yeah. I think it's ultimately kind of where it's headed for him. I don't, I don't, unless there's injury. Again, you know, he's the backup right now in New Orleans. So if Derek Carr goes down, he's going to get a shot again. It's not like it's not going to happen. It's, it's him and a rookie. It's the kid, uh, Jake Hayner out of uh Fresno state. That's it. So he's, he's, he's the number two guy in, in new Orleans right now, but I don't you, trust him. You go back to last season. He started three games. He threw four touchdowns and five interceptions. Yeah. And I think that's when people realize, okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever, whatever we're teaching him in practice, he's not seeing it on the football field. Yeah. Um, and so I think as much as he may feel he's a starter in the national football league, I don't think other people uh, in the league uh, perceive him as such anymore. Yeah, I don't think they're buying it. Um, all right, this one from Tyler Boyd, who's a good receiver. You know, he's part of that 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 threesome that they have in Cincinnati, which is really, really strong. It's Jamar Chase, it's T. Higgins, it's him, and you know, some, some really good receivers for Joe Burrow. But he believes the missing factor that kept the team from making back-to-back Super Bowl appearances mm. was him. Was him. Is he in a contract year? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, he saw, if you remember, he suffered a deep thigh bruise early in the second quarter of that 23, 20 loss. Yeah. He said, would he have finished the game? 
uh, if he was at least he would have finished the game if he was at least 80 percent healthy. Um, but to this day, he said he feels like if he would have played the whole game, he said, quote, I was the key factor. We would have won the game. Ooh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, who, I mean, they beat him the year before. Yep. Who knows? It's not crazy. It's, it's not, not crazy. crazy. No, no, it's not crazy at all because having him on the field is a night is, is a is a matchup nightmare for the opposition when they've got their top three wideouts in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a difficult matchup for any defense. So, and they only lost the game by three points. Yeah. So there has to be there's some truth to that. Him being on the field healthy would have given Burrow another element to to go to in crucial situations that Burrow didn't have. Um, so I, I have no problem with him saying that. I really don't. He's in an interesting contract situation, Derek. So um, if the team cuts him, they'll gain roughly $8.9 million in salary cap space. Mm. Um, and they will only incur $1.4 million in dead money. Uh, but he says that he hasn't received any indication that he will not play the final year of his contract with the team. Mm. And he's, he's been there since 2016. So he's seen the lean years and he's seen the good years, but he believes he'll be back. They're they they're going to have to spend a lot of money on receivers. If all those guys are coming back, yeah, you're talking yeah, about yeah. Jamar chase and Higgins and him. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. No, I think they're going to be looking to draft another young one. They can't pay all of them. They have too many other positions. I don't think any team out there puts that kind of money into three wide receivers. Mm-hmm. They may put it into three linebackers, three defensive linemen, three offensive linemen, but not three receivers in this case. When you got other people to pay, if you want to stay at the top of the competitive field in that league, they just don't. It just doesn't happen in the NFL. Maybe yeah. two, maybe two, but three? No, that's not going to happen. Well, yeah, and and that's why it's just unrealistic from an Eagles standpoint. Who wouldn't love to have DeAndre Hopkins? But I just they don't have the money to do it. I don't see him coming here and taking a lesser role, especially like I said earlier. If it's a, if it's a prove me, you know, mm-hmm. sort of prove it one year, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, he absolutely. might be a giant. You know, that could that's a possibility. You better hope not, because the kid's a phenomenal talent. You know, you, you know, another weapon at Brian Dable's disposal. Who, who knows? You know, um, but that's the National Football League. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a carousel. You know. And, you adjust, you know, when you when you're trying to catch the best in your division in the conference, you got to get any and everything possible that you can. I mean, I just saw a report that says DeAndre Hopkins is on the Giants' radar. You know, yes. yep. they didn't they didn't rule out the possibility of you know the, the the wording was we will look as we always do in every case we will look at this closely and study it. You yep. didn't say no; it's out of the question. Right, I agree. I agree. You know. Uh, so the Jags are, are trying to slowly ease Calvin Ridley in, um, you know, with the thought process that, look, this guy missed a lot of football and we got to be able to sort of, you know, knock some rust off here with him before we throw him completely into the, uh, you know, into the deep end here. So going to take him a minute, but uh, you know, all of a sudden now you look at what they have and what Trevor Lawrence is going to have at, at his disposal, you know, mm-hmm. ETN had a great year for them last year. After he got the he had the foot injury, um, but they're they're a talented they are a talented team um, with a lot of weapons. You know, you have him now in, into that mix with uh, a Zay Jones with a Christian Kirk. Uh, you, you know, Engram played great for them at tight yeah, end last yeah. year. There's a lot of talent on that team. 
Oh, no, no, no question about it. Um, and I expect them to be in the mix um, in a lot of ways. Um, they're not a deep team in terms of personnel, but their frontline talent is interesting. Yeah. And if they can stay healthy, they should make some headways. But again, you know, following suit, everything we talk about is going to be compared to what the Eagles were able to do last year in terms of getting players healthy. Mm-hmm. And we see across the league every year the number of injuries go up instead of going down. So the possibility of that team staying healthy are slim, not out of the question, but slim. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose somebody along the way that's going to be a vital cog in, in what you're trying to compete, uh, trying to achieve. And what you replace it with is not going to be 50% of what you had. Could be a, a gaping weakness in your overall structure. But that's the game as we know it, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's for sure. All right. So let me run through this, uh, Derek, and let's 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 uh, see who's going to get in, who 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 you think could be on the outside looking in, et cetera. So last year, in terms of the playoffs, and we're going to sort of do like a yay or nay. But last year, in terms of the playoffs, in the AFC, you had the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Jags, Ravens, Chargers, Dolphins. In the NFC you had the Eagles, 49ers, Vikings, Cowboys, Giants, Seahawks, Bucks. Okay, mm. that's both sides. Uh, teams that were sort of uh, bubble teams on the outside looking in, you had the Patriots, you had the Jets, you had the Titans. Uh, you, If you want to throw the Raiders in there, and then I'm going to put the Broncos in for, for the reason that I think with a real coach like Sean Payton, they could have a yep. chance. NFC, Lions close, Packers close, Commanders close, Saints close, Falcons close. Mm. All right, let's go through the AFC first. And you tell me of the teams that are that got in, tell me who you think may not get in this year. All right, Ooh, Chiefs. Buffalo. In. Bills. In. Bengals. In. Jags. In. Ravens. I don't think that one's automatic. No. Um New offensive that's, coordinator. That's, that's going to be a struggle. Lamar's happy. He got his contract. Um, they've added a couple of wide receivers. Odell yep. Beckham among yep. them. They drafted, you know, one as well. Tough division. Ooh. Tough. The North is tough. Cleveland has a full season of Deshaun. Steelers, Kenny Pickett, a year older, a year wiser. Um, Rounds better. Yeah, yeah. Likely. Uh, I'm going to say Baltimore out. Baltimore out. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, Chargers. Ooh, that's that's a tough one. Um, now that we now that we know about Jimmy G's situation with the Raiders, um, Chargers have all the tools you need. Jeez. They do. I'm going to say in. I got to say in. Okay. They did not make a coaching change. Uh, no, just they keep didn't. in mind, it's no. still Staley. No, he'll get in and screw it up again. <laughs> so I, I'm going to say in by the, okay. by the hair of their chinny chin chins. Okay. All right. Now, this one's interesting because I think a lot of it. Wait, um, how many teams have I said are in so far? So you one, eight, two, you eight, three, right? four, yeah. five. You have five in. Okay. So I have Buffalo in. You have Cincinnati in, the Jacksonville in, Chiefs, Chargers. Right. Okay, so five. So I got three more, okay? All right, Dolphins. Woo! I know. This one is so hard because if Tua stays healthy, they're a playoff team. 
Wow. Yeah. If Tua stays healthy, I got to put an asterisk next to that one and say, if Tua is healthy, I think the Dolphins get in. Uh, look, I would agree with you. I, I, but it's impossible for any of us, frankly, to know what's going right, to happen. Right. Right. So yes. Um, all right. Let me give you some outside looking in last year. Who you who may or may not get in this year? Let's go, uh, New England. Uh, I'm going to say no. I think they'll right. be better. Um, I think Mac Jones would be a better quarterback, but I don't see the offensive personnel to get over the hump, especially when you look at the firepower all these teams have in the AFC. I'm going to say no to New England. Okay. Um, Jets. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers. I am going to say yes to the Jets. So that would be my seventh team. I'm going to say yes to the Jets getting in because of Aaron Rodgers' presence. That defense was rock solid. The offense, you know, Garrett Wilson was a thousand yard receiver with the, with the merry-go-round of quarterbacks. Yep. Now you got Rogers in there. You brought in some more talent. You, you know, you brought in Alan Lazard, you brought, you know, you got, so I'm going to say, yeah, Jets are getting in the playoffs this year. Okay. I agree with you, by the way, uh, Raiders. No Raiders. I don't think so either. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I I think you're going to be on a merry-go-round with, with Garoppolo's health. Yeah. I'm just not feeling it. All right. This one. Broncos. Yes. With Sean Payton there, the wide receivers they have, uh, the defensive personnel they have, all they needed was a head coach to orchestrate it and to get these guys focused uh, to play football at a high level. I mean, they've got, my goodness, Javante Williams and Saman, uh, Samaj P. Ryan as your running backs, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim, Tim Patrick, my goodness, Marvin Mims, K, KJ uh, Hamler. Mm-hmm. They've got weapons on top of weapons there. You're tight in, um, you know, you got okay tight ends. And and then I look at the defensive personnel. My, yes, I'm, I'm going to say Sean Payton is going to will this team to the playoffs this year. Okay. All right, let's jump over to the, uh, to the NFC. And let's first go through the teams that got in. Tell me if you think they get back in. Okay. Eagles. Absolutely. 49ers. Uh, based on the strength of that defense, no matter who's quarterbacking, yes. Vikings. Vikings will get in and bow out in the first round because uh, regular season Kirk Cousins will turn into playoff Kirk Cousins and mess it up for him. So I'm going to say sure. Vikings will get in, but they won't be in there long. I'm turning into a pumpkin. All right, uh, Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys got enough talent to get back into the playoffs. So Giants. What, four teams. I got four teams. Yeah, you got four, all four so far. The, <coughs> the, the Giants, G-Men. Let's see. Um. Yes. Second year Dayball. They shocked the world and won nine out of 16 games last year. Uh, I'm going to say, yes, Giants are going to get back into playoffs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Seahawks. Seattle, definitely. Geno shocked the world. They've improved the defense in the offseason. Um, they added a wide receiver to go along with uh, Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, Geno's got his money. Pete Carroll's coaching. Everybody's happy in, in, in the uh, Emerald City. I'm going to say yes to Seattle. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay. Heck no. I'm with you a thousand no. percent. Heck, I think they're no. going to be terrible. They were they got in at eight and nine because they were in a yes. terrible division. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's go with close, but no cigar last year. Do they get in this year? Lions. 
I think the Lions get in this year. Hundred yes. percent, the Lions get in. I, I think they could be the surprise of the NFC this year. Yes. Okay. Packers. No, it's going to be a growing year for uh, Jordan Love in that offense. It's going to be his first year under Matt Lafleur's new wide open offense. It'll be entertaining, but it won't be a playoff in their uh, horizon in 2023. Commanders. Uh, no, they have quarterback issues. I don't care if it's Sam Howell, jo- Jacoby Brissett. I think Brissett will be a better quarterback under center for that team. But I don't think with the pass catchers they have, the defense, I don't think Washington gets in. Okay. New Orleans with Derek yeah. Carr. Yes. I think New Orleans gets in the playoffs. That's my eight. New Orleans is my eighth team. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I think New Orleans definitely get, they win the division and get in by default because they won the division. I think Derek Carr with the collection of players they have down there, will be good enough to get in the playoffs. All right. Last one I want to throw at you is the Falcons. Uh, okay. Very aggressive offseason. Yep. You know, made a lot of moves. A lot of this is going to come down to, can their, the young quarterback, Ritter, can he play? Uh, because he's, they, you know, again, there's some there's talent there. And I think Arthur Smith's a good coach. I thought he did a pretty good job with them all I agree. last year. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, <clears throat> let's see. You got B. John Robinson as your running back. Uh, Corderell Patterson is still there. Drake London, Mac, Mac Hollins. I still can't believe Mac Hollins is still in the league. Uh, he's been around a uh, long time now. Yep. Yep. You got uh, Scotty Miller. Kyle Pitts is a phenomenal. Kyle Pitts to me is like the modern day Tony Gonzalez, big body who could also play like a wide receiver if he wanted to. Yep. Um, and you got John U. Smith there from, from the uh, New England Patriots. Man. They got a decent offensive line on uh, on defense. I'm looking at the defensive personnel. You have Caden Ellis, Bud Dupree, Calais Campbell, Grady Jarrett, Lorenzo Carter, Jeff Okuda on the back end, Jesse Bates. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But they, I think I told you, they spent over 200 million just on defense this offseason. Yeah. Like they're, they're not young, but they have guys who can play on that side of the ball. I just don't know about Desmond Ritter as my frontline quarterback. Taylor Heineke is a backup down there now. I don't know about Desmond Ritter, and I think that's going to stumble them. I think, I think they'll have like a winning season, but I think because of the, the other teams ahead of them, I think they just missed the playoffs this year. Okay, I think they get in. I, I they're going to be my Wait, surprise. Team. Yeah, they're going to be my surprise team. So I. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put them in and put the Lions in. They're my two teams that were Man. on the outside looking in to get in this year. Yeah, I like those two. Wow. Um, I, I think there there's there's a couple sleepers and they would fall into that category. I, I you know, New Orleans, I kind of go back and forth on right now. Yep. I don't yep. know. I just don't know what that's going to look like exactly. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening. All right, let's get a timeout, Derek, and let's come back. And speaking of Derek's, we'll have Derek Bodner join us. Look forward to talking to him about Nick Nurse and the Sixer situation. So let's grab a quickie here. Let's come back. Let's talk to Derek, and we will dig into all things Sixers and Nick Nurse hiring when we get back. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk Razor technology because protecting data is security imperative for businesses of all sizes. Choose a partner like Razor Technology with expertise in the latest threats and proactive tools to lock down every endpoint with a zero-trust approach that makes certain only authorized users gain access to your systems. Razor delivers enterprise-wide insight into every component of a security plan across the identity, devices, information, apps, and infrastructure with threat-prioritized recommendations. 
They design, deploy, manage, and monitor security solutions that enable modern business to safely communicate, collaborate, and thrive in the modern marketplace. Whether they're working in person or remotely or internal infrastructure or in the cloud and in every possible hybrid arrangement, choose Razor Technology to protect your digital assets, establish an organization-wide security posture, enforce safe practices for identity and access management, and secure hybrid and remote workforces. Call Razor Technology today at 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back in, everybody. Final segment of the program. We appreciate you hanging out with us today. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's Derek Gunn. 
I am Rob Ellis. We are joined right now uh, by Derek Bodner. Derek uh, does an amazing job as a Sixers reporter for DailySix.com, the Daily Six newsletter. Uh, and Derek, man, so much to, to dive into since the last time we spoke. Thanks for, for taking a couple minutes to uh, to hop on. Derek's shaking his head already. What, what's, what are you? I don't think I did anything. What Was I intentional if I did? No, no, not you, Derek. The, the oh, other Derek. Okay. The, the bad Derek, Derek Gunn. What did, what did, what did, <laughs> no, I'm shaking. shaking your head no, no, no. I'm shaking here because of what you said. There's so much to talk about with the Sixers, and you're right. Oh. It's like whew, makes your head spin. No. Don't be, don't be trying to. All right. Embellish. I thought you were. I mean, my God, I didn't even introduce Derek, and you were already doing Derek, it. Derek, anyway. Derek, you have to understand. Rob's a little testy today because his Phillies have fallen off the. Derek map. can appreciate that with sure. the, way the Phillies. Are no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Right there Man. with you. Totally frustrating. All right, Derek. So I a lot to get into with, with Nick Nurse. I want to start with this one. In, in, in your opinion, is there any way to read into Nurse's hiring in terms of Harden coming back or not coming back? Are the two mutually exclusive in your estimation? I certainly wouldn't say they're mutually exclusive. Uh, it does seem like, you know, if you wanted to tailor the organization or, you know, bend towards James, Mike D'Antoni would have been, the. I guess the way I'd say it, it's not so much that Nick Nurse is pro or against Harden. It's that Nick Nurse isn't Mike D'Antoni. And if you were going to run the ship to cater towards James Harden, Mike D'Antoni would have been a logical choice. So I think you can read into it a little bit there. You know, I also think it's interesting because Nick Nurse he will get on you if you don't play defense. He'll get on you if you don't give that effort, that attention detail. James has never really been known to do that. It'll be interesting how those two fit if they do end up being a pairing. But outside of the fact, I, w- I certainly wouldn't say they're mutually exclusive, but it is interesting just because it's not Harden's guy. Right. Do you think if, Mil- if Milwaukee, because we heard that Milwaukee was high on, on Nurse's radar, if Milwaukee hadn't assigned Adrian Griffin, do you think he would end up in Milwaukee more so than Philadelphia? Yeah, well, it's, so the, the order is interesting there because it was reported that he withdrew his name before that hiring became official. Yeah. I don't know if he withdrew his name because he knew it, it was going to Griffin or if the mm. fact that he withdrew the name is why they went with Griffin. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that detail. Um, but it would be interesting if he chose Philadelphia over Milwaukee because I think it's, you know, there's pros and cons to both. The Sixers right. obviously aren't in the strongest cap situation, but Milwaukee's got some aging players being paid big mm-hmm. money, uh, and they're going to have some struggles under this new collective bargaining agreement as well. Giannis is a younger, more dependable superstar in that regard. Um, it would have been interesting if he had his choice. I don't know whether or not he did have his choice. Uh, but I think there was some draw here, obviously, to come to Philadelphia. Coach Joel Embiid, have, you know, he has a relationship having coached the Rio Grande Valley um, G League team, so he has a relationship, or I think back then it was still called the D League. It doesn't matter. Uh, he has a relationship with Daryl Morey, so I think that was a draw. Um, but, yeah, it, it was I mean, it was, it was strange in the fact that there were so many high-profile coaches out there, but it was also strange in that there were a lot of really good win-now situations for coaches that you don't normally fire mm-hmm. a coach in, like, these jobs like Milwaukee, like Phoenix, like Philadelphia don't normally become available. Um, yep. It's a, it's a weird off season. Derek, you've had a little, we all have a little time to digest how the Sixers season came to a conclusion. Um, and I'm going to tie this into nurse in a second, but can you, can you put your, can you wrap your head around how that game seven went down the way that Embiid and Harden kind of went out like that? No, no, it was, it was, look, <laughs> We've seen in this series, the Eastern Conference Finals, after the Sixers got eliminated, the it's a playoffs are a roller coaster, and it's becoming more and more a roller coaster. The more and more teams become reliant on three point shooting. Uh, you know, part of the reason Miami came out and was you know won so easily there in Game Seven, they shot fifty percent from three. Nice. You know, Sixers shot like twenty percent, twenty five percent something from three over the last two games. A couple of those go in, it certainly changes it. But what I always go back to is you know the first 
five minutes of the game, Joel Embiid's head just wasn't there. And I'm not even talking offensively because I think as, as a game wore on, he started pressing, maybe reverting back to like how he played in 2018. His mind wasn't there defensively. And I have no idea how that happened. I certainly don't think it's from a lack of caring or anything like that. It's just, he seemed like he got swallowed up in the moment in a way that you need your star player to not happen. And I think that more than anything that set the tone. And then when they met that adversity there in the third quarter, I mean, we all saw it. It wasn't yeah. great. No. You, you know, Derek, um, we hear that Nurse is a no-nonsense type coach, not afraid to get into get in people's faces when he has to to try to get the most out of them. And one question I brought up this week I'm, I'm interested in hearing your perspective on is this. Joel Embiid has been treated with such kit gloves under Brett Brown and Doc Rivers. How will he respond if Nurse calls him out in a practice or calls him out during a timeout? Um Will he rise to the challenge? Will he pout and, and basically shut his game down? I, I think that's going to be a key element to watch in this relationship between the two. Now, you say he was treated with kid gloves, but there was a GM's wife who tweeted that she wanted to get a ladder so she could slap him. So there was a little bit of confrontation there. <laughs> Barbara Botini, for that those was, of you scoring at home. That yeah. was and the I'm wife, using though. GM's wife in quotations. Yeah. That was oh, the wife, God. Though. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, we, we know it may have been somebody else very close to Barbara. Yes. Anyway. Now, um, you know, I think it's a fair question just because when a superstar has been, you know, had the, the franchise centered around him for so yeah. long. Yeah. Um, and also Nick nurse, he's a little confrontational, but he's also a little passive aggressive with the media too. Like there okay. have been complaints that he will, players will hear frustrations in the media before they hear it behind closed doors. Mm. I think that's something that can come back to bite him too. I think he's got to you know be a little more delicate in this situation. He hasn't had, Outside of that one year with Kawhi, he hasn't had a you know top five player in the league kind of superstar, and this is a little different. Um, but I think Joe needs to grow, and I think Joe can be pushed. Uh, I don't think that's the problem. Um, you know what? I'm interested to see because I think if you're going to get these guys into the best version of themselves, version that can win a a a, a championship, let's disrupt things a little bit. Not yeah. completely. Not go. You know, you don't have to go Bill Belichick, but just a little bit get them a tiny bit outside of their comfort zone. I have a lot more confidence in Joel Embiid reacting well to that than I do James Harden, but I think it'll be interesting to see how both of them react to it. And I think it's maybe an experiment that you have to kind of try. I think one of the things I was a little leery on Mike D'Antoni, and I actually like Mike D'Antoni probably more than most people. I think he is a, a legitimate offensive genius. And when I look at this team, for all we'll talk about defense and, and you know the regular season, they're struggling at times. Postseason, when Joel Embiid's dialed in, He's one of the most impactful defenders in the world, and the Sixers generally acquit themselves well defensively. Mm-hmm. Offensively is where they struggle. I think you needed creativity on offense. That's one of the reasons why D'Antoni was interesting. But one of the, the concerns with D'Antoni is he would you know, cater to your stars. And yeah. by that, I don't mean like offensive play sets. I mean, he will give them rope uh, that maybe won't get them outside of their comfort zone. So it could go up in flames. It could be one of these things where like for two years, it's great, and then it kind of wears on you after time. And that might be a trade-off you live with because in two years, you could be challenging for a championship. Or it could be a disaster. I truthfully don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I lean towards good more than disaster, but I think all outcomes are in play. So for the folks who maybe don't follow the intricacies of this, Derek, what, what does Nurse bring to the table in terms of coaching, whether it's strategic approach? We, we know he will hold players accountable, yes. But beyond that, whether it's schematics, X's and O's and that kind of thing, what's he bring to the yeah. table? Well, you know, it's it's sort of weird because when he got to Detroit, or Detroit, when he got to Toronto, he was in Toronto for five years as an assistant before taking over. He was really brought in to revamp their offense, 
and to modernize their offense. And they went, I think, um, up to the year before Kawhi, the year before Nick Nurse took over. They were the second-ranked offense in the league, and they went from shooting, like, bottom five in three-point attempts to top five. It was a complete shuffle of their offensive philosophy. And then he took over, and he took over this team with Toronto that has just a bunch of six-foot-seven athletes, and they were very active defensively. Their entire scheme was based around forcing turnovers, getting more possessions than you, getting out on the break to overcome their half-court deficiencies. And they would trap on the perimeter a lot. They would recover on the perimeter a lot. They'd try to get their defenders to take gambles on the perimeter. And then he would mix in things, uh, very famously the box and one in the finals, to disrupt other team superstars. He used to throw a lot of attention at Joel Embiid. You know, back in Harden's heyday, he used to have you know really aggressive schemes to get the ball out of Harden's hands. He will he will be aggressive in denying stars the opportunities to get comfortable. Mm. I think what's interesting is that I don't really think any of that really works with the Sixers personnel. Uh, that requires athletes. That requires good decision making on defense. And the Sixers are filled with a bunch of either mediocre or inattentive defenders who make questionable decisions, but are anchored by Joel Embiid. They're a little more of a traditional defensive squad where you might get beat on the perimeter, but you have the big guy in the paint to clean everything up. So it'll be interesting to see how he adapts his ultra-aggressive scheme, uh, the forced turnovers, into one that's maybe more just funneling them into the big guy. Because if you ask George and Yang to try to you know cover ground, or if you ask Tobias Harris to make five right decisions over the course of a defensive possession you're going to give up a lot of open shots. So I think he's got to be adaptable. I think he will. I think he's smart enough. I think he was working, you know, his scheme in Toronto was based on the personnel that he had, but it will be interesting to see how he adapts that to, uh, to this squad. Is nurse the right man for the job? When you consider the teams being held hostage by the caps restraint, you know, the, the mind games, James Hart, the Jedi mind tricks, James Harden is playing right now. Is he going, is he staying? Does he want the max? Is it a ploy? So on and so forth. You can't do much really to improve the roster. Is Nurse the right guy to move to the next level with this team? Yeah. I certainly, you know, if you had asked me this question 12 months ago, yeah. I would have said, like, I think Nick Nurse is one of the, maybe not one of the five, but possibly somewhere in like the three through seven type top okay. coaches in the league. This year in Toronto was not good. Um, their offense was bad. It seemed like the team had stopped buying in. So mm. that sort of dampens your enthusiasm a little bit. And like I said, I think if you're going to say, the Sixers need creativity. And I think Nick Nurse is in, was incredibly creative defensively with Toronto. But if you're going to tell me which side of the court do you need creativity on, I would have said offensively. I think you need some way to get Joel Embiid unstuck in the second round of playoffs or to get James Harden uh, to where you can take what he gives you and propel an offense. Mm -hmm. And I think Nick Nurse can do that, but I'm not as confident as, as I am in his defensive uh, scheme and, and chops. So, look... I might have gone with Mike D'Antoni in part because I think it might have been just a blast to cover. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to deny that might be well, way why, why is that? Why, why? I'm curious why you say that. Well, I think he plays a entertaining style of ball. Um, okay. I think he is liable to do just about anything. And I think he's liable to say just about anything. And as a journalist, uh, that's pretty much all you can ask for. But I also do <laughs> think that his creativity offensively could have helped Joel Embiid and, 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 and James Harden and almost especially um, – you know, Tyrese Maxey. I thought if there was one coach who could find a way to really get Tyrese Maxey to take that next step, not that there's only one coach, but I thought Mike D'Antoni had maybe the best chance of doing that. Mm. That being said, I think, you know, Nick Nurse might be the better all around coach. I think he might be, um, I think he might be a, the kind of guy to really give you what you need on both sides of the court. 
I do have questions over whether or not his personality and style might wear on people. And by people, I mostly mean Joel Embiid, but also a little bit of James Harden for the long term. And, you know, what I saw in Toronto this past year wasn't great. But I certainly, I think when I ranked him, he was certainly in my top two. And I went back on my top one um, pretty consistently. Okay. Derek, what's your gut telling you with Harden? Um, You sense that this is uh, only a matter of time before he's back? Or is the Houston stuff real? What do you think? I think this is pretty easy. I think whichever team offers him the most money, he's probably going to. And I think if he had his preference, and this is sort of just my gut read, I think if he had his preference, he would prefer to have his money and be in Philadelphia where he can contend. But if he has to use, like, I don't think Houston is just a leverage play. Houston came out and offered, let's say, $30 million more over the course of a four-year contract. I think he would go to Houston and probably be happy with that. Mm -hmm. I think, like I said, all things equal, he'd, I think he has interest in returning to Philly, but I would say Houston is more than a leverage play, but maybe not. Like I, my gut still says that he's back in Philly if the Sixers match that. Okay. Hey, Derek, uh, Brett Siegel, um, an NBA insider also. I don't know how if you know him or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just put out there an hour ago that Fred Van Fleet has emerged as an offseason target for the 76ers with James Harden's future here up in the air. You think of Van Fleet? Could the Sixers get a Van Fleet in here? I I mean, I don't entirely know how that would – like, what is Fred Van Fleet? He's owed a – well, he has a player option, so he's a free agent. Yeah. They're not going to have enough money to sign him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I don't – I mean, maybe a sign-in trade, but, you know, quite frankly, Fred Van Vliet looked pretty bad. Like, I think part of the reason that they – Toronto struggled this past year yeah. was that he just didn't look at himself. And, yeah, the numbers yeah. were still good. Um, but his shooting was down. His three-point shooting was down. Defensively, he didn't look like the player he was. Mm. He looked like he's, he struggled this year. Um, so I'd be a little weary of that anyway. But I also just don't know how, outside of sign and trade, how that would mm. materialize. It sounds like the kind of thing where you just kind of make that connection because, you know, the Toronto connection. Sure. But I'm, I haven't heard anything like that, um, and I'm not sure how solid that is. Mm. Do you think they'll be able to move Harris? Uh, he's got one year. I, th- I think it's 39-ish, give or take. Uh, is, is he attractive enough because it's the last year of his deal, Derek, to move him, or do people make too much of that part? Just just 39, just a small price. That's all. I mean, no big deal. Pocket change. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, jump change. No, I certainly think they will have opportunities to move him. Whether or not one comes across their table that makes sense is, you know, we'll see. Yep. But I do think the, you know, this new collective bargaining agreement, there are some pretty serious restrictions uh, it's it's being called a, a double apron, basically a a third threshold, um, well fourth luxury uh, salary cap, luxury tax apron, double apron. But once you basically cross a certain threshold in salary, it becomes very restrictive on the kind of moves that you can make, more restrictive than it ever has been in the history of the NBA. So I think some of these teams that are approaching that threshold are going to look to shed you know long term salary. The problem is the Sixers, especially if they re-sign Harden, are going to be approaching that second apron to mm-hmm. the point where you can't very make very many moves. So I, the Sixers' basically motivations are going to be the same as teams that are looking to acquire Tobias Harris. So that's why I'm not sure a deal is going to cro- come across the table that's going to make sense. But I do certainly think his trade value is higher now than it. I mean, he's that contract was a killer before. Now it's an asset. Right. Uh, it's just whether or not, you know, like I said, I think the team that are look, that would be looking to acquire Tobias Harris would have the same motivation that the Sixers will have. And I'm not sure they're going to want to take on long-term salary. So how do you improve this team then? How, how can you go about it, man? It's, it's like, 
It's like every well, look, there's every, a reason there's a reason Daryl Morey's making 15 million a year and I'm not. <laughs> it's a very tough question. <laughs> but no, it, it, you know what? In all seriousness, Derek, this needs to be a monster offseason for him. Yeah. It really does. I mean, but he's how? Be creative. He's got to find diamonds in the rough. Like he's got to really This ain't Pat up, Riley live, we're talking about I here. I know, but live up to the reputation. He is you know, no. No, you're 100% right. And this is where, you know, Daryl Morey has been good in the past, finding ways to find contributors when you think he doesn't have any any real assets to do so. Um, it's going to be tough. Like, I think Tobias is a, a – there's a realistic chance you could see them trade that. Let's say you take his $40 million, you trade him for one player making $20 million as a couple of years left and one player to even out the salary. You could see something like that. Um, you could – I mean, you could even get crazy and, and, and add a Tyrese Maxey to Tobias Harris and go, like – borderline star hunting wow. you do something crazy like that um i think that package would have a lot of value you could see a uh, james harden sign and trade you could see there's a lot of uh, not a lot of options there are options um but it's 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 gonna be tough they're pretty pretty far boxed in they have very few uh draft picks to trade i think the first one is like 2029 20, something cool. like that that mm. they could trade um it's not right around the corner so it doesn't have a lot of value they don't really have very much salary cap flexibility they're going to be you know Saddled by that second apron in, in pretty soon. Uh, they don't have very many tradable players. They've got a lot of players. You know, you've got four uh, rotation players who are free agents that you have to try to bring back. Uh, they're, you know, you, you ask me, how do you take that next step? It might be Tyrese Maxey. That might be Tyrese Maxey Ooh. taking a next step as a player and becoming a true lead guard type. That could be Tyrese Maxey as a trade chip, which nobody wants to hear. But I think Daryl Morey has to have his, his ears um, or is his mind open to everything? Um, wow. That's really interesting. We'll uh, Derek, I did want to sneak in a little NBA finals talk with you. And we saw what the heat did and that wacky series, man, that was crazy. Um, Jimmy Butler, is it revisionist history from a lot of folks who are like, see, I told you so like they, they should have kept him. Or was it a little bit different when he, for the short period of time that he was here than maybe people are making it out to be. Well, I think, there were a lot of people that wanted him brought back. I wouldn't say that's revisionist history at all. Yeah. Did anyone really see him being this? I think that might be a little revisionist history. Like before Jimmy Butler got to the Sixers, he had never been out of the first round of the playoffs. He wasn't this proven playoff performer that he's developed into here um, of late. And I think part of that is that he used to, you know, play every minute of every game in a regular season and used to really play a hundred percent in a regular season. And quite frankly, now he coasts a lot. And you see that at times with the heat who looked like junk offensively for much of the season. Right. And part of that was Butler wasn't performing at this level. I think he has realized that he needs to have himself fresh to carry the team like he has now. And he's just mastered that sort of like slow, but still get to his spots, get to the free throw line game that, you know, I think has taken him some time to develop. So I think he's certainly a better player now, but I think a lot of people did want them to run it back and to bring back all of their stars um, and, and build on that Embiid Simmons Butler core. Like, I don't think that's revisionist at all. Now I think maybe how easy that decision was, because I do think you're basically at a point and I don't think it was expressed to the Sixers. I know it wasn't expressed to the Sixers from any party that they couldn't bring Butler back, but I think everybody had concerns that you couldn't keep Butler and Ben Simmons happy long-term. And I think that's where a lot of the uh, talk around what to do at that time came from, you know, a lot of people would say now, well, obviously trade Ben Simmons, keep Jimmy Butler. But when Ben Simmons was 23 coming off an all-star season, and I think just mm -hmm. the second year in the league, I don't think that decision was as easy then as people think it is now. 
but it was certainly one of the major pivot points of the franchise for sure. Do you think that the lengthy layoff will initially hurt Denver in terms of shaking off some of that layoff rust? Yeah, I think it's always a concern for sure. Um, you know, it, it's, you obviously get the benefit of rest as well. Uh, yeah. And there's balancing that concern with, with that benefit out. But I think, you know, basketball is very much a rhythm game. Uh, like I would think there would be some concern over keeping them, you know, locked in. Uh, and a lot of that will come down to how, you know, coaching staff and the players and some teams are better at handling that than others. Mm-hmm. But I certainly think there's a concern for sure. How do you think this plays out this, this finals, Derek? I mean, we, we you always want to kind of have the tendency to write the heat off, but yeah. there is a rust factor here with the, with the nuggets. This has been a long layoff for them. Uh, how do you, how do you factor that in and how do you see this, this series? I mean, I'm going to underrate the heat, which you just said, everybody does. I'm going to do it. And I underrated the heat at the start of the playoffs. I, I was pretty dismissive of them as a, you know, there was talk about possibly the Sixers, you know, basically ducking the heat in the first round. And I thought that was ridiculous. The heat weren't good enough to worry about that. Whoops. Um, <laughs> but I do think Denver is a better team. I think they've been a better team throughout the course of, of the playoffs. I think Denver has been the most consistent team in the playoffs, which is, is, is why they're, they are where they are. Uh, and I, this isn't what a lot of people on this podcast are going to want to hear. I trust, you know, Jokic more than I trust anybody else on that court mm. from a, you know, just thinking the game perspective from a preparedness mm. perspective. I think this again, probably not going to be popular on this show. I think he's the best player in the league and the most consistent player in the league. And I think he's going to come out there and have a good series. Uh, and I think, you know, Denver's offense is just unstoppable right now. And mm. I think it's the most bankable element of this series. I do think they win in six, um, but you know, Miami has been, Really, for the Tough. entirety of this Jimmy Rizzo, Butler yeah. run, yeah. they've been incredible. They really yeah, have. They have, no doubt. Derek, when I look at Jokic, I don't disagree with you that he's performing as the best player in the league right now. The guy moves slow as pond water, mm-hmm. but you can't stop him. Yeah, And I don't understand with all the athleticism and the length that you have in the league that there's nobody that can take him out of his game. Yeah. He has that little that little flip shot from the paint nobody can stop. He gets a rebound you don't expect him to get. He's a great passer. I, I I don't understand for somebody who's not overall as athletic as a lot of players we see in today's NBA game, how his game is so consistently lethal, yeah. man. It's just it's just fascinating to watch him. Well, he he's the slowest player in the league, but he's also the quickest. He he thinks the game uh, quicker than almost anybody else. Yeah. And I think when you watch him, you know, part of the reason I think he shoots such a high percentage is I think teams are deathly afraid of double teaming him because they mm-hmm. know if they if they leave their man, if they even hesitate on a cut, he's yeah. going to find them. He's going to make them pay for a really high percentage shot. So you almost have to play him straight up than you would almost anyone else of his skill level mm-hmm. because he is, I mean, he's he's might be the best, he is the best passer in the league right now. Um, and also he's got really good teammates around him. Like Jamal Murray coming back, yep. all the shooting they have around them. It's just, it's a really good, really well-built team that, you know, takes a lot of his strengths and makes him impossible to guard. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and there will be concerns. Like defensively, they're not a great team. They never really have been. Uh, Miami's not necessarily a great offensive squad, but if their threes are going in, they'll be tough to defend. But he's 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 incredible. Really. All right, Derek, I tell everybody, check it out. Daily6.com, the Daily6 newsletter. Follow him on Twitter, at Derek Bodner NBA. Derek, uh, thanks, man. Uh, always great catching Appreciate up. Appreciate you, Appreciate you bro. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, All right, man. Take That's care. Bodner, kind enough to hop on, and we are we are out of time, D-Gun. That, that'll do it. Wow, that was quick. Yeah.
Fast show. Oh, man. A quick Fast, day. Yeah. Quickest three hours you're going to have uh, right there. Uh, I want to thank Tone to Shields. Great job, Tone, producing the program as always. Tone, thank you, my friend. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat section, everybody streaming, everybody listening. We appreciate you. Remember, tomorrow uh, we will continue with you know everything we always do with the Eagles, Phillies, you know NFL, et cetera. But we're going to have Keith Pompey join us. We'll get his thoughts on everything that's going on Sixers wise and uh, in in the uh, with the coaching situation with Nick Nurse, what happens with James Harden, et cetera. So he'll be joining us tomorrow. Uh, so looking forward to talking to Keith at one o'clock. All right. Uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Get the national football show with Dan Cilio, Derek and I back same time tomorrow. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel. We will see you guys tomorrow. Appreciate it. Sports take. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a result. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.